welcome to the Screamcast. I am Sean DeRager. With me, as always, is Brad Henderson. Yo. We're in episode 106. Dang, that's calls for celebration. <laughs> I'm going to take a bite of my protein bar right here. And just, no, I'm just kidding. Um, wow. You do have a protein bar. I do have a protein bar. I, just have, I have nothing to, celeb- to like do a celebratory <laughs> open. Like, like, I got nothing. I got a bottle, bottle of water. Like that. Wow, dude. That's insane. <laughs> oh, man. Um, hope you all had a great uh, Memorial Day weekend. Three-day weekend for everybody. Um, Not me. I worked. You worked. Yeah. Yeah. You're when you're the boss, you kind of have well, to work yeah. you don't tire them out. That's right. Uh, I didn't do shit. shit. I did not do shit for three days. Pretty fantastic. Although uh, my son stepped on a bee today. Ooh. Three-year-old Noah, as you all have heard his voice before, uh, stepped on a bee and cried, screamed, bloody murder. So. Yeah, I remember getting stung when I was little. It's the height of my excitement this weekend. Uh, We have a fantastic show lined up for today. We're going to be talking about Arrow Films box set Killer Dames, which I can't wait to get to. We're also going to talk a contemporary release, The Boy, so stick around for that. But first, let's jump into what's on our doorstep. Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. <laughs> 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 Uh, you go first, Sean. I'll let All you right. go. I got a couple things. Um, adjust my chair. Hold on, I'm sinking. Oh, yeah. Uh, it wasn't a, you know, I've been pretty goddamn busy, So, I, but I'm trying to fit movies in whenever I can. I was able to fit in a couple things this week. Um, not necessarily horror related, but um, I did oh. finally get to my Blu-ray of Inner Space. From 1987, which was really fun because I was like, you know, family movie time, everybody, you know, dad, you watch it with your family doing the dad shit all the way. Because I remember watching this as a kid. It's rated PG. Uh, Isn't there some sex? There is some there's some risque stuff in this film that I think flew over my head as a kid. Or maybe I watched the edited for TV version. But um but like first, I mean, it opens up with you know the our lead character drunk off his ass, uh, just kind of making a fool of himself, getting home to uh, with Meg Ryan, and basically uh, some uh, sexy time happens. It it it's pretty. It cuts away. It's fine. But yeah, it's then, tame. But I mean, it's but still the next 80s. morning, the next morning he's falling. She's leaving, trying to beat him before he wakes up. Try to get out the door. He follows her out, just wrapped in the in you know sheets. And it ends with, you know, his sheets getting caught in the taxi door and, uh, you know, it le- the taxi leaving with his sheet, leaving him totally buck-ass naked. So my 10-year-old daughter saw Dennis Quaid ass. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Which is not a big deal. Butts are funny, right? They're funny. They're just kind of like, what? You know, but uh, but then there's some other things. Um, there's the time there where he's – where um, – Martin Short is here. Here's Dennis Quaid in his ear or whatever, and he's like talking to himself in the bathroom, but looking down at his dick because he's peeing. And this guy, and he's talking about it being, you know, uh, says things like, you know, you know, you're not too small and all this stuff. And this guy comes up and says, "Play with it. Don't talk to it, pal." <laughs> and walks out of the room. 
<laughs> out of the bathroom. I looked over at my wife and she was giving me the freaking uh, evil eye glare. <laughs> you got all like warm, like you get that warm tingly feeling all over you. You're like, oh shit. I was like, fuck. She's going to totally say something. But uh, again, over the kid's head. They, they don't freaking know. But uh, the one thing, the one thing, one of the the evil henchwoman or evil woman, uh, there's a guy that's like one of the bad guys has like a robot arm or like an arm, like he's missing his hand and he does all these crazy attachments like guns and all this stuff to his to his hand. The crazy henchwoman or whatever is on the phone says she has to go and then you realize she's in bed and Mr. No Hand uh, is in the room with her. And he's getting ready for some sexy time. And he attaches some sort of vibrator to his <laughs> to his stub, and it Ooh. the the scene ends with they go you hear bzzz, and she gets a smile on her face and it cuts away. Oh, so I was like, wow, Inner Space is pretty, uh, you know, for a family film, you know, pretty risque in a few areas, which was, you know, it's like, but it's the eighties. I mean, all, 80s, all things man. are like that. I mean, but, there's there's. Dude, just look at just one of the guys. Movies, I mean, <laughs> yeah. movies PG-13 or PG, right? I think that was PG. And I think, you know, Weird Science is P, uh, P Well, it's marked PG-13, but I feel like Weird Science came out when it came out. It was PG. I think I thought it came out before the PG-13. Yeah. But, yeah, you look at, I mean, these John Hughes films and some of these some of these ones, like, they get away with a lot in the 80s. Yeah, you just you just don't think of it because I, I've done that with like Willow before. Is I'll be like, oh, I love this movie as a kid, but it's like super sexual, and it's yeah. like, wait a second, yeah, you know, because I was actually going to do that with because uh, I uh, you you talked about, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But you talked about my boyfriend's back, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, I was like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, family time, and I was thinking to myself, oh, wait, no, because there's a lot of sexual stuff in that movie. And I remember watching that as a kid, like yeah. on cable, and I thought it was great. But no, it's it's a completely different um, life th- these yeah. days of what we're exposing our kids to, which is not a bad thing. You know, we're a little bit more protective. Mm-hmm. Some people are, but yeah, I um, you know, it's, it's just it's it's really funny when you look at it when you yeah. think about how. I mean, even the older generation, even older before me, like what they were allowed to watch, because you had you know like. What um like the Brady Bunch mm-hmm. and all those old TV shows the the parents had to sleep in separate beds. Oh yeah, you know. And then if they went into the bathroom, there was never a toilet. Like you couldn't show a toilet on television. <laughs> yeah. And now you know, I remember when I was growing up in the teens, like they they had a couple stations just on regular cable that would have nudity. I think FX was one of those stations. Oh, yeah, nudity shows asses. Yeah, sure. and it was like, but now it's hidden again. And like everything is like, like the MPA, like fine yeah, tooth and comb, like yeah. goes over everything. So yeah, it's, it's, weird. it's, yeah. I mean, I, I don't like it, it's weird, like how things change so frequently with it. Yeah, you never know. But that's the thing. Like my wife and I were talking to, about this though too, and it's like, look, you know, you just have to be a good parent and do your due diligence and watch the goddamn movie. If you're kind of questioning it, like watch it first, then show your kids. Yeah. I yeah, watch pretty, anything other than like today. PG is pretty, pretty damn tame, but anything PG 13, yeah. um, I watch first, um, unless it's like a Marvel superhero movie, you're pretty safe with those. Um, but I watch pretty much everything first and then I show my kids 
or I do some reading yeah. up on it and try to talk to other parents who've seen it. You know, I, I want to make sure because like I'm in I'm steering the ship as far as what my kids are exposed to. And I want to be the one that exposes them to this stuff other rather than like them going to a friend's house and seeing nudity there. Like I would rather be the one kind of guiding that. Yeah. So because um, I saw my first like titty flick when I was at a friend's house and I was like probably eight. You know, his, his parents let him watch R-rated movies. So, you know, I always knew I could watch movies like uh, Lost Boys or stuff like that at his at his place. But um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want that my, my kids to go to their friends to see that shit. Like, I want to kind of guide them through that and you know talk to them about it. So, well, you know, we'll see. But it was fun. It was, it was kind of fun watching that with the kids. Um, they they dug my daughter really dug the flick and they loved the idea of you know, having a little spaceship inside the body. They were kind of, you know, even my three-year-old was kind of watching it and he kind of got the idea that, you know, oh, the spaceship is inside their body and he was all fascinated by, you know, the bloodstream and all that kind of stuff and the blood cells. So uh, it was fun. So uh, the other thing I watched, other than what we, in preparation preparation for this, was, and this isn't necessarily a horror movie, uh, it's, there's just some some old timey religion here. I watched the movie Risen with Joseph Fiennes, directed by Kevin Reynolds, who did uh, Robin Hood, uh, that Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie, and he directed Waterworld. Damn, I, what was this movie? Uh, it's it's basically a movie about a centurion. He's like one of the head centurions, and he is tasked to find out um, where to find out who basically stole Jesus's body from the oh tomb. Oh God, no, no. But let me, I, but yes. with the people involved, I was like, I'm going to give this a shot because you know, you know me, I, I'm fascinated with religion. I grew up Christian. So this kind of How stuff old is this fascinates movie? me. It came out just last year. Oh, so, um, Oh, like what I got from it though, like the first half of the film is really great because it's this whole political, like, so imagine, like, back in Rome, like, imagine there was some guy who said he was going to overturn the Roman Empire, and all the Jewish people were kind of rising up behind this guy, um, but the certain faction of, like, the super religious, you know, uh, Jewish people decide, convince Pilate to kill this guy, to crucify him, so he does, but, you know, he, you know he's done, he's, he's killed the guy who says he's going to overthrow Rome, uh, this, the... Um, Sanhedrin or whatever they are is happy, uh, the and then he's squashed, kind of you know this rebellion. But like, imagine like three days later, like that body's missing, right? And people are saying that he's alive, and people are saying that they're seeing Jesus. So he, like, Pilate sees this like as a political, you know, a, a political problem, and the emperor is coming down to kind of check on Rome, check on. Judea and everything, and and he's trying to get all this kind of under the rug before the emperor shows up. So he looks like he's squashed this rebellion, and everything's fine. So Joseph finds like he his character gets tasked with like interviewing people who said they've seen him and people who are involved, involved, and it, all that is fascinating. Like really great, really well done. But then the movie kind of uh, takes a turn at the half of it and kind of turns into like you know Sunday school lesson with Joseph Fiennes kind of he becomes an observer rather than a participant of the story and then it his story dies and it's like one of those things like where it, it could have been a really great two hour film 
kind of on this mystery. Like it could have kept things more of a mystery and maybe he did rise from the dead. Maybe he didn't. Maybe the disciples like stole the body to kind of say that he's risen. Like all that kind of stuff is really fascinating. It makes for a great story um, and a great idea, but they kind of, I th- it feels like they're kind of, you know, had this great idea, but felt like they wouldn't do well with the Christians or whatever to kind of keep any controversy down. They kind of switch it up halfway through. And it, overall, it's a really pretty well done movie though. If you're, in, if you're interested in this kind of stuff and, and for once the, uh, the Jesus character actually looks Jewish. <laughs> he actually looks ethnic, which is like, I think the first time I've seen in a film, usually it's a, it's a totally white dude, you know, with a, bleached teeth and and everything so if you're interested in this stuff the first half of the film is fantastic i wish they would have had the balls to kind of keep that going because that political you know aspect and and that from that um from that lens like from the lens of the romans um it's great and uh it's it's strongly active man i don't watch a lot of christian films and uh, I usually stay away, but this one with the people involved, I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. And uh, for what is this pretty good? So I'd say if you're interested in, you know, these types of films in religion, history and that kind of stuff, um, you may want to give it a maybe may, may give it a rent if you're curious. But anyway, I had a lot to say mm-hmm. about it. Sorry. This has been Sunday school time with Sean. No, I mean, it's 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 fine. It's. I mean, for me, no. <laughs> I'll never, like, as a movie, I'll probably never watch. But I'm, I'm sure, like, you know, well, the, there's aspects of it that, I mean, it's a pretty popular subject. Well, the stuff, the, I mean, they deal with, like, the like he shows up and, like, Jesus has been crucified and is still hanging on the cross dead. And, like, his job is, like, all right, well, I got to go break their legs now so they can die faster. Like, that was his job once he arrives from, like, his previous battle he was trying to squash another rebellion somewhere. And so like, it's like that whole you know depiction of crucifixion and stuff is, you know, is brutal and they don't shy away from it, you know? And, um, just that kind of stuff, you know? And, and, and like, were they like, if you were crucified, you didn't get a barrel. You just got thrown into a ditch with all the other bodies. Like all that kind of stuff is totally fascinating in, the, in that time period. I mean, it was a brutal time period, especially with the Romans. Yeah. So like that stuff, like I, I wanted to stay there, with that stuff, I didn't want to have a, let, okay, let's follow Jesus and his disciples, you know, through the rest of um, what would be probably uh, the book of John. Anyway, but um, to the end. But it was half of a good movie, half of a great movie. I think that they dropped the ball, I think, to um, to appease the evangelicals, in my opinion. Yeah. But still, very great, you know, great acting, good production value. Um, there's some, you know, I I I found a lot to like about it. So that's all I'm gonna say about it. And if you're curious, if, you, if you're curious at all, give it a rent. You'll be surprised. If you have no desire to see it, skip it. It's pretty much what I'd say. Cool. Um, I think that's it, man. Oh, 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 God, I forgot about this. I just watched this today. I I'm gonna really quick. Uh, I watched Synapse Blu-ray of Mosquito, 1995. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Movie's awesome. Just gory, stupid B movie. Um, oh, Mosquito is not stupid. Well, yeah, it's fantastic. No, it's great. It's great. Stupid in all the best ways possible. Yeah. Great, great sense of humor. Uh, it's very. Uh, the, the acting felt very kind of direct to video. Um, very much like uh, Return of Swamp Thing type of you know kind of goofiness. Uh, Return of Swamp Thing's a little more goofy, but. But it's just some great stuff. <laughs> the creature effects are fantastic. Um, it opens with somebody, you know, hitting the mosquito with their car. It's just great. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of fun. Director Gary Jones. <laughs> dude, fucking really Gunnar Hansen's in Gunner that. Gunnar Hansen's oh, in it, yep. <clears throat> the one dude from uh, fucking the band The Stooges is in that shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's I a know. Punk, that's a punk rock science fiction movie, even though... Mosquito was not the very first Mosquito horror film. No, it was not. Skeeter was. It, mm-hmm. it predates it by a couple years. And Skeeter is not very good. But I remember like both of them, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why is there two Mosquito movies out there? <laughs> Did they come out like around the same time? No, uh, Skeeter was like, I think this Mosquito was like, what, 95, 96? Yeah, it was Skeeter yeah, in the 80s? No, Skeeter was in the 90s. So it was just 90s. earlier. Yeah, okay. just earlier 90s. It was definitely out before Mosquito. Yeah. No, man. And Sinesa did a bang-up job with this. I, you know, I, I appreciate whenever they – there's a little thing saying about the transfer and all that kind of stuff because this was not a high – not a very high-budget movie, low-budget, shot in 16-millimeter, I think. And I, Oh, I no. Think yeah, this is a cheap-ass movie. The but effects were done in like 35-millimeter, so there was kind of some weird weirdness to it. Yeah, Up but, All Night used to play it all the time um, back in the day, and that's when I very first saw it. He's, you know, uh, Ronda Shears Up All Night, <clears throat> and um, I saw it on there. And, of course, it was one of those things, Channel 32 is my USA station when I was little. So I was always on 32 because Up All Night, Monster Vision would all play. And um, this is a movie that I watched constantly and had yeah. the tape. So as soon as it came out on Blu-ray, I was very excited. To pick I, it up. I bought this right away and I finally got around to watching it. I'm so glad I did, but it's, it's fantastic. If you haven't grabbed this yet and you're, and you're a fan of these types of movies, um, like as always, Synapse does a bang up job. The funny thing, like on the, uh, the box art or the, or the VHS box art, it says from the crown prince of horror. Like, I don't know who they're talking about. They're not talking about Gary Jones. Gunnar Hansen. Are they talking about Gunnar Hansen? Yeah, but but I it's imagine it's, well, you, know, you but but it's just all it says is from the Crown Prince of Horror. So you imagine, oh, that's the director. You know what I mean? But it's it's just obviously from that Fangoria review. Uh, whoever put out this VHS just took that snippet, <laughs> threw it on there. But it's like they have to be talking about Gunnar Hansen. There's no way they're talking about Gary Jones. Um. Yeah, I'm not familiar with um that director. I'm I mean, pretty sure. He's got to do something else because there's no way you just I do think mosquito he's done, and walk away. He's got to do. He's got to done some '80s horror movies. He's done a lot of like second unit and assistant director, um, a lot of visual effects. But his directing stuff is a lot of some special effects. His his um, directing stuff is like, especially in the in the '90s, was like Xena, Warrior Princess, and Hercules, Legend, you know, the Hercules TV series, and the Honey I Shrunk the Kids TV series, and and a bunch of just cheap ass stuff. Uh, Boogeyman three things like that. Oh, I'm um, looking him up his now. His most recent is Axe Giant: The Wrath of Paul Bunyan. Oh God, I saw that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Boogeyman three. That was, you know, the series that fucking came out in the early two thousands. Uh, oh, he did Spiders from two thousand. That was a decent, fun little. Sp- I mean, there's a billion Spider movies, 
But Spiders, that one was uh, not that bad. But it's not that good either. Yeah. But, so, okay. you know, he's, he's, he's done some makeup stuff and some special effects stuff. Evil Dead 2, uh, Moon Trap, uh, Army of Darkness, mm-hmm. Hard Target, stuff like that. So. Hmm. Okay. But the effects in this are great. That's the yeah, one thing that great, Mosquito Shine. It's a shine. great movie. It's a fun Fantastic. it's a fun little horror film. Yeah. Yep. Watch it on a double feature with ticks. What are you talking about? Watch it with Skeeter. Or Skeeter. I mean, you know, sometimes I don't like to pair up movies like the same Because that night thing, wouldn't cause... suck. <laughs> <laughs> it may be too much Mosquito in one night if you watch Skeeter. Then Mosquito, I like to kind of mix up the bugs. So Mosquito with ticks would be fantastic. Then maybe you do like Skeeter with, uh, you know, Food for the Gods or something like that. I don't know. You got to mix up your your giant killer creature features. I mean, I only wrote an article with the, you know, best insect movies. Hell yeah, you did. We had one gastropod. Slugs. <laughs> God, Slugs so. is a Blu-ray, re- Blu-ray release so bad. <laughs> I don't understand it's, why it's not out. It's a great movie. Oh. Um, all right, man. That's it. That's all for me. All right, so first up, I'm going to not spend too much time on this one. Um, I, I popped it in, and then halfway through, like I had a little bathroom break, a little, you know, a little bit of a longer bathroom break, not a pee-pee. Um, so I was like looking it up, and I was like, fuck, this is why the movie doesn't really do anything creative. It's because it's an A&E Lifetime movie. I had no fucking idea. <laughs> but I was intrigued because Lionsgate put it out on DVD, but it was Manson's Lost Girls. It was focusing on the girls that Marilyn, Ma- or Marilyn Manson, Charles Manson recruited. Uh, basically at his, you know, his movie farm that he, uh, you know, opened up with, uh, was it George Spann or whatever. So it, it goes into detail of Linda. Um, I'm actually a big Manson, like all like kind of serial killers. I'm always like intrigued by. So I know a lot of their history. So this one follows Linda, who was, um, one of the eyewitnesses during the, the murders and everything like that. It follows kind of her story. So it's, Almost like it should be called Manson's Lost Girl because it really just focuses on her and her life beforehand. Um, and it's just a big drama. Like, you know, it doesn't really go into detail of, you know, it, when it gets to the murder, it's kind of fun. But it always just the camera always <laughs> shies away from everything. And it's like halfway through the movie, I was like, why is this movie so afraid to go into, you know, Charles Manson's life or actually – yeah, and then I realized it's a fucking any Lifetime movie, and I'm like, no fucking wonder, <laughs> you know? So it's like you have a cool, like, creative idea of, you know, hey, let's pick somebody from Charles Manson's life and not really focus on Charles Manson himself. Um, and I thought that was a cool idea, but it just never goes there. It never goes anywhere, really. It just mainly focuses on the dramatic, you know, upbringing of her life, uh, running away from home, uh, finding a man, moving to Los Angeles, him leaving for some bullshit, and then her coming across these other women that bring her back to Span's ranch, and then you know uh, they learn about the Helter Skelter and all that, and it just never really goes anywhere. Um, just kind of let down. I thought it was going to be, you know, a little bit more. You know, this would have been a great movie. It was gritty and brutal uh kind of set up the same way wonderland was with al kilmer telling the story of john mm-hmm. holmes like it's That's a great. great it's a great look at what he did like they took the porn out of the movie 
and made it more about John Holmes and this lie that he led for so long and also this truth behind uh, a lot of what he said that people thought was lies. And I thought that movie portrayed that wonderfully. I thought it was fantastic. And I was kind of hoping the same thing for this, but um, I didn't get it. So it's kind of, eh, whatever. Um, next up was a, a title of mine that I've been excited about since uh, it was announced. I got around to uh, Screen Factory's uh, The Crush mm. with uh, Alicia Silverstone, uh, Carrie Elwes, and um, Jennifer Rubin, who has always been um, one of my favorite. I think she's so adorable oh and then uh kurt ward smith who people might not know that name but he is clarence bodinger from um robocop and also red foreman who's eric foreman's father in nice. seven, that 70s show which is one of the best like that's the only reason why i was intrigued by that 70s show is because fucking kurt ward smith and i was like he's so intimidating that'd yeah. be a great and he like made my day like just watching that show with everything that he would say um but anyways this finally uh hit blu-ray i was a uh, little i was a little perturbed i tweeted about it tonight because i watched this tonight um isn't that the fucking like as soon as you pop in the blu-ray it says how the sounds fucked up and it's like <laughs> do you want to wow. maybe t- you maybe want to tell you know, people before they buy it. Hey guys, we like, know you spent like twenty five bucks on this. By the way, sound yeah. a little bit fucked up. It's like it's like, <laughs> hey, you're gonna get away with it. You know, like I'm so glad that I really don't purchase any of this shit because hey, if I, it was, it was fucked up on the last release. So yeah, you know. I like the previous DVD, <laughs> and I thought it was funny when they said previous DVD because it was like it's a fucking DVD on a Blu-ray is all it is, just with a couple new interviews and shit. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I'm a big fan of this movie. I'm a big fan of the babysitter because you know, I also, I, I just like, you know, I sound like a fucking pervert or something, but I enjoy that mm-hmm. kind of taboo aspect to these movies. Cause like, you know, with like Lolita and kind of how that story's told and the babysitter that taboo. And then also how the men react. Cause I, I like watching that human emotion, and, you know, kind of that taboo subject and just see how people would react. Well, babysitters re- are younger but looking a lot older these days. I know. <laughs> I know from experience. I always feel <laughs> so like anyways, a creep whenever I open the door and I'm like, oh, hello, you're babysitting my kid. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's piece, that would be so weird. It's really But, weird. like, you know, the babysitter, of course, is Alicia Silverstone, which this would make a great double feature, the crush and the babysitter. But the, the babysitter is more or less about a, a group of men that fantasize about the babysitter. Um, this, See, that's creepy. I don't feel bad now. Well, no, it's, it's a very creepy movie, but it's handled, <laughs> it's handled very, very well. Just like how the crush is handled very well. There's just a couple scenes where you're like, eh. you know, cause sometimes they get an older actress to play the younger girl. And this is like Alicia Silverstone. Who's like 15 playing a 14 year old. So you're still looking at Alicia Silverstone as 15 years old. What year was this released in? Uh, I don't know. Like, Maybe ninety two. Is that around the time of the song? She's only seventeen. I have no or is idea. Is that late eighties? She's only seventeen. Yeah, but this girl is fucking fourteen. Right, but that time, you know, people were a bit, you know, there was a gray area. Yeah, I guess with that stuff. Well, I, I can't imagine the babysitter and like fucking Lolita and 
you know, the crush being released today and being shown on television, no. people would fucking flip out. Yeah. Um, but this movie's handled in a different way. Like I say, I like the taboo subject. It's it, you know, movies don't do anything, you know, wrong or, or, or you know, slimy or, or, or go out of its uh, realm of trying to, it's all contained. You know what I'm saying? It's not, you know, you don't have, you yeah. do have that one nude scene, but it's obviously a body double and it's just a shot of her butt. But it never goes there. It never gets really like creepy. You know what I'm saying? But, so that's I, why. I I, yeah, yeah. That's that's why I like the movies. But anyways, um, so you know, Carrie Elwes is a writer. He moves into uh, kind of this uh, add-on like garage house that he rents out from these parents. Parents have a 14 year old daughter, and she slowly becomes obsessed with him. Um, And, you know, in a way, he is – this is where it's kind of creepy because he leads her on a tiny bit. You know, he lets her in the house. He talks to her. You know, he drives her somewhere. And then, you know, she forces herself, you know, onto him and becomes obsessed. And then he rejects her, and that's when she tries to send his life into a downward spiral, which is not hard for a 14-year-old girl to do to an older man that wants to ruin his life. It's very plausible. Like, it's, like, this shit could happen. Mm -hmm. So that's why, like, these, like, back in the day, you'd have the neighborhood kids come over to your house, give them some fucking lemonade, hang out with them, talk to them. Now, dude, it's not even good to even look at a child (laughs) because of what the parents or child might say. Like, you have to be super careful because we live in a world now where, like, that shit is on the fucking front page of the paper. You know, that – I mean, pedophilia and, you know, child has happened for years, obviously. But it was – a lot of it was behind closed doors. Yeah. And and now it's very out there, which is good because kids can come forward. It's a more um, – say acceptable, but acceptable for them to say something without being shunned by everybody. Right. You know, it's – or, oh, Tommy's making up stories. No, it's like, what the fuck did you do, Uncle Frank? Yeah. You know? Here's my – I'm going to grab my butcher knife, Uncle Frank. So that's the reason why these movies aren't, you know, obviously it's it's a lot creepier these days because it's so real, I guess. When you watch these movies from, you know, back in the day and, um, you know, I watched kind of a um, – I watched a French movie from the 80s. It was by a popular – I can't remember the director. I think it was uh, Jean-Pierre – no, it was not. I think it was Jean-Luc. Uh, I think it was Jean-Luc. Jean, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc Garand. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, he has a movie. Uh, it's called uh, Every Man for Himself, I believe it's called. And the fucking two guys talk about little girls on the soccer field, about wow. how they would feel if they were, you know, having sex with them. I'm like, Ugh. what the fuck? Wow. Like, where is this fucking coming from? You know, but it's like no one fucking cared. You know, but if you made a movie like that today, your movie would never get released. Nope. Wouldn't even be made. But anyways, uh, back to the crush. Crush yeah. is great. Um, it still holds up. It's uh, you know a, a great thriller. It's super creepy. Um, you know, Carrie Elwes is always like underrated. Uh, he's a very good dramatic actor. He's just he got stuck in that kind of comedy thing after Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and then he's <laughs> not given any more roles. But he's you know he's great in Saw. Yeah, he's fantastic um, in Saw. You know, but he's he's a really fine actor um and alicia silverstone is 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 wonderful jennifer rubin of course just plays jennifer rubin but um 
You know, just it's just a really like good taboo thriller. And I've always enjoyed the crush, and I it it holds up completely. And it's got a great like '90s soundtrack too. Nice. So people should buy this when they find it for like nine ninety nine. Yeah, the audio basically what it is. It sounds like it sounds like you're in the, a, another room with a TV blasting, and you have a glass against the wall, and your ear pressed up against the glass, and you're listening to the movie. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Wow. Um. So next up, I have uh. Let's see. I have Venom, which, holy crap, number one, I didn't know anything about Venom. Um, I just blew underground, put it out, so I usually pick up whatever they have. Um, and I saw a snake on the front, and I was like, a uh, snake movie, great. What year did this one come out? Like 19, 1981. 81. Not to be confused with the 2005 uh, Bayou <laughs> horror movie. Uh, you know, movie. that's a guilty pleasure of mine. Is it? I yeah, know. I, I, I like that. It's a cool backward, backwood slasher with a supernatural twist. Sweet. But we're talking um, the snake flick. Yeah, this is the snake flick from 1981, starring – Fucking Oliver Reed. I mean, this wow. is how you pitch. This is how you pitch the movie. The stars Oliver Reed and Klaus Kinski as kidnapper terrorists that are stuck in a house with a black mamba. Nice. Like it's fucking. It's so fucking good. So, <laughs> um, these uh, terrorists they go into uh, a house where they want to kill uh, kidnap a wealthy boy who's. Uh, uh, parents are out of town. His grandfather and um, uh, the maid are, are watching him. And so they break in. They hold him hostage. Um, a a mistake has happened at the pet store where the boy brings home a black mamba. <laughs> and after they break in, the boy opens the case and the black mamba pops out. So it's like all through the house, they're trying to worry about negotiating with the police outside, you know, snipers on the outside trying to shoot them with a black fucking mamba in the house trying <laughs> to kill them all. Um, it's a really fun movie. This, like, goes perfect with fucking um, of a unknown origin. Like, kind of it look lurking through the walls, going any place, could attack you. Um, oh, nice. I yeah. still remember when you called I've known origin tricky rat <laughs> <laughs> was the asylum title. Um, but a great transfer, Oliver Reed and Klaus Kinski. Um, I, I was reading a little back, uh, a little about them on set. Apparently they're the biggest fucking enemies oh, really? and they hate each other and they hated each other during the set. And I, you know, the booklet inside, and I was, uh, I was told by my buddy Omar that on the Hellraiser, um, I guess the Scarlet Box mentions a story. I don't know. He said Hellraiser, and I thought maybe that was the book, but I don't know if it's another book or what. I don't know what he book he's talking about. I'll have to take a look. It would be weird that they would discuss that because are neither of those people are involved with Hellraiser. Maybe it's another book called Hellraiser. Maybe. So, anyways. Um, I, I looked more into it because the movie has a backstory. Uh, Toby Hooper was involved, but he left because no one wanted to do what he wanted to do. So creative differences, he left. And then um, apparently like during – like before they would say action, Oliver Reed would like go up to Klaus Kinski and like say something really mean and then piss him <laughs> off. And then the, the director would yell action and then they would be arguing for real. 
And that's the cool part is because in the movie, they're not the best of friends and there's a lot of animosity between them. And I think being that's in real life, it really comes off on camera. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just them bickering, trying to run from a f- black mamba. It's a it's a really fun, you know, uh, home invasion type film. So this comes out um, officially on the thirty first, right? Thirty first. So to tomorrow. Oh shit! Which was which so by the yesterday. time you guys are listening, this is out. Cool. Yeah, definitely pick it up. It's uh, it's really fucking good. Um. Basically, all it is is that it has uh, Michael Gringold, who actually just left Fangoria. He has a write-up in a book uh, on the on the Blu-ray, and then um, there's a director commentary with uh, with you know, of course, the director uh, Piers Haggard. So, sweet, really fun, fun flick. Blue Underground is doing some kick-ass work recently. I mean, they have always done really well, but like they're releasing these like deluxe Blu-rays now. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool. They are very, they're like criterion. That's how they look. Cause they have that criterion case and oh. it's all, you know, pretty sweet. They've re- released, uh, two Jess Franco films. They released this, they released get mean and they, uh, I think they're releasing Manhattan baby next. Oh yeah. They're still releasing like their other blu-rays, but they, they have, uh, when they want to do kind of a deluxe thing, which I don't know if this is considered a deluxe cause it really doesn't have much to it. You know, the other movies had the soundtracks. This one just has the Blu-ray DVD. Hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, de- oh, you know, I have two movies about, I guess this, I didn't even think about this. I have another movie about little children and creepy old men. <laughs> um, that's weird. Um, so anyways, I got around, I've never seen this. I got, I always heard about it. I got around to the little girl who lives down the lane. Which uh, stars uh, Jodie Foster and uh, Martin Sheen, where um, Jodie Foster is uh, – I think she's 13 too. Huh. Well, anyways. Um, she was – she wasn't – she started – I mean she was a child actor, right? Right, right. But I think, she, I think she's 13 in the movie. Like, you <clears> know, <throat> so Alicia Silverstone's 14 in The Crush. So anyways, little girl, she um, – I mean she's in Taxi Driver. She's super young there. Right, right. This one is – this one doesn't go as uh, – here. So basically she is – she's got a little bit of a secret behind her. Uh, she you know, lives at home. Um, she takes care of herself, goes shopping, does all this stuff. Her dad's a very business – or very busy man um, and – creepy Martin Sheen comes around and knows that she's by herself a lot. So he says some very awful things uh, to her and he tries to get her alone. Uh, Meanwhile, she uh, meets uh, another boy who is a magician who stops by the house and, you know, they talk and everything like that. And there's a nude scene in this one that's really creepy because, um, it's Jodie Foster's older sister that does the nude scene, but she looks just like Jodie Foster. So, like when she takes off her clothes and everything, like she walks to the bed, she's butt, you know, fucking naked, and like it's like what the fuck? Like it's so weird huh. because, because <clears throat> you know, the girl's supposed to be thirteen, so you're not thinking, oh, that's Jodie Foster's 
fucking stunt double, her sister. No, you're thinking, right, like, right, what right. the fuck am I watching right now? Is, like, cops going to bust down my door for <laughs> me watching the little girl who lives down the lane? But anyways, um, aside from that, it's a really dirty movie. Like, it's really gritty and grimy. Not like The Crush that's polished and kind of well-maintained. This one kind of gets into the conversational stuff. Because, like, a lot of The Crush is visual. You know, you see Alicia Silverstone in her bikini. You know, she pulls her straps down. She's always wearing, you know, like shorts and panties and like showing off her legs. It's very visual. You know, it's it's eye candy for, you know, Carrie Elwes' character. Mm -hmm. uh, this one's more or less Jodie Foster's wearing jeans and fucking sweaters and Martin Sheen is just trying to fuck her. And it's like, god damn, like could this movie – like Martin Sheen is – great greasy grimy bad guy and i've never known like i'll never look at martin sheen the same again because i'm going to think about him in this movie but it's just a very much of her trying to hide a secret that she has you know no spoilers um and a couple of people trying to get down to the bottom of it and um on the side she's trying to be seduced by an older man um, it's a very compelling story. It's a very compelling movie. Um, it's very kind of edge of your seat in the sense of like, man, this movie kind of has no boundaries. Like what is going to happen? Um, and it's a, a kind of a thriller too. Uh, and it's for also from the seventies. So you're using like, you know, 70s thriller versus like the crushes, like 1993 thriller, mm -hmm. um, which is, it's a very slow acting burn and a slow acting movie. Um, but very, very, very well done. Very good, and just fucking creepy, man. Like it's really fucking creepy. It's rated. Uh, rating was PG. What? Yeah. That's what, that's what the the site says here. I don't know. Dude, I'm looking at the back of the box. Yeah, parental guidance suggested PG. Wow. Yeah. See, that's what we're talking about. These uh, how these ratings just change. Is it, this movie would probably get an R rating today, even without any um, language or anything, but. Yeah, I mean, Scorpion put this out, um, which they, they do killer work with uh, their negatives and everything like that. But um, the mo the movie looks crisp, so clear. It's distributed through uh, Kino Lorber? Yeah, Kino, but it's a Scorpion title. Okay. Um, because the way to know if it's Scorpion, like if it's solely like Scorpion with Kino like helping out, the spine isn't the generic black and white. Right. It actually has a cover, and you know the spine is part of the cover. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's you know it's it's a it's a good movie. It it really is. It's just you got to prepare yourself a little bit for it because you know you, fucking I have a, a, a you know a ten year old daughter, and it's right. getting to that point where she's growing up, and you know I know fucking creepers out there, like ugh. <laughs> is it really, like I'm interested in seeing it, but I don't know if I want to, you know, spend about twenty bucks to buy the Blu-ray. You know what I mean? It's one, it's one of those. Yeah, it's not it a really rewatch. Like a, a one timer. Yeah, it's not a rewatch. I don't know if I'll ever rewatch it because that movie will never. I'll never forget that movie. Yeah, because it's a lot different when you hear it versus you see it. Right. Because you know, like you watch stuff like the Babysitter, but when you hear when you hear those words, you know, when you hear those disgusting like the conversations that movie can get to you. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Huh. Um, all right. So on a lighter cooking. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a great, it's a great movie. Mm -hmm. It's a really fucking good movie. Um, so next up we have 
another movie with Oliver Reed um, <laughs> where he plays the bad guy. <laughs> um, I, I, I covered Zero Boys uh, on last show. This is by uh, Nico Masarakis, who did um, Island of Death, uh, Hired to Kill. He's got a slew of fucking movies. He mostly makes great movies. Um, but anyways, I got to Hired to Kill, which stars Brian fucking Thompson. Um, I saw this movie when I was little. I don't remember anything about it. But this movie is fucking cool. It's that's that's the only way to explain. It's it's just trashy and cool. Um, Brian Thompson, fucking Brian Thompson. All right, is the lead in a movie. I have never known Brian Thompson to be a lead in a movie other than him co-starring basically in the Mortal Kombat Annihilation, <laughs> you know, playing Shao Kahn. Well, anyways, he, he's he's actually I think Brian Thompson is very underrated for the most part. I don't think he can carry a movie by himself. Obviously, hired to kill. But, you know, as as a co-star, dude, he's fucking great as the villain in Cobra. Oh, he's yeah. Fucking the Night Slasher, dude. He is so fucking good. He is fucking creepy. He is on it. He, like, he's a great killer. And Bosworth in Fright Night 2, dude, the dude eats bugs all the time, but he is so entertaining and such a great henchman. He eats bugs through the entire movie. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so anyways, um, you know, this is released by Arrow. Um, who obviously does a, a bang up job on the transfer and all kind of all the you know special features. But anyways, um, George Kennedy is also in this. He I know this this has got like crazy cast. Um, so George Kennedy hires um Brian Thompson to train a bunch of women to be deadly assassins to be models and him be a gay um, uh, uh, fashion designer to go to a foreign country to kill this um, basically the kind of like this dictator. Um, And yeah, that's the plot of the movie. (laughs) And I'm like, this is fucking brilliant. This movie's made in the nineties, but this is such an eighties fucking movie. This is like, like an Andy Sedaris without nudity movie. It's it's very much um, like a Ted Mickles movie, but you know more more tame. If any, you know Andy huh. Sedaris and Ted Mickles made a lot of titty flicks with women as the lead action roles and men kind of the one training them or watching them. You know, so it was always always fun to watch those movies and Hired to Kills like that. Um, it's just stars Brian Thompson, who's trying to be like this ro- romanticized, like this one girl. So there's like this romantic, in- romantic interest. But it's Brian Thompson who can't act. He's just a good like muscle head. Um, but gotta take a sip there. Um, it's a it's a very fun movie. Action action sequence at the end. Like there's a thirty minute like you know, siege that happens. That's great. Uh, building up to that, the training montages are great. The dialogue's great. Once they meet Oliver Reed, he's really creepy and slimy. Um, he's very much like Martin Sheen and uh, little girl lives down the lane. Um, he's really sweaty. He's got this killer mustache, which Oliver Reed's always sweaty. Like, and he's looks so fucking serious. Everything from the devils to, you know, like Venom, he is, plays that same like sinister, just I'm really pissed off and constipated look. Um, but yeah, so it, it's a really fun movie. Uh, if you like 
Nico Matsarakis. It's definitely one of his. Uh, not, I get not one of his greatest movies. Like definitely watch the Zero Boys first because that fucking is solid gold. But uh, Hire to Kill is definitely some fun, trashy action. Brian Thompson with his shirt off a lot movie. <laughs> Um, but he's like not super fit either. Like he's obviously muscular, right? But like he, like he's just—they're trying to do that Sylvester Stallone, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger type thing, but it just doesn't work. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger probably would have done a better job being in this movie and having him as like kind of the buff trainer guy through, throughout the movie. I think it would have been a lot funnier to see him. That's what I was thinking about <laughs> the movie. Um, but definitely, uh, definitely interesting. Um, this next one I kind of contemplated on talking about, um, but I want to, cause I want people to enjoy it. Um, I got around to watching, um, uh, bloodbath, which is a, uh, a movie that's put out by arrow, which I tell you what, they did a kick-ass job on this too. I mean, it's just kind of a gimme. Um, I don't they're not putting anything out mediocre, but they put out Bloodbath, which, you know, I saw it was a deluxe edition and I was like, fucking deluxe edition for one movie. This must be really special. No, they went out of their way. There's four versions of this movie. Whoa. And and they did four versions on this Blu-ray. How insane is that? That's ridiculous. I mean, is there four versions like in existence, I guess? Yeah, yeah. It it has um, number one, uh, Operation Titan is an like check out these titles. Operation Titan is a title. Portrait and Tear is a title. Bloodbath and Track of the Vampire. Operation Titan. Apparently, Operation Titan is a completely different movie. Huh. Um, I got around to watching Bloodbath and Track of the Vampire. I'm probably going to go back and watch Operation Titan and Portrait and Terror and report back because um, this is done by Jack Hill, who, if you know, is one of the better uh, horror movie directors um, and action black exploitation directors that there is. Uh, still alive today, still kicking it, but um, you know he's he's done everything from uh, you know Dementia 13 to Pit Stop to um, fucking the Big Bird Cage, which I know you, you know. Um, you know, Coffee, uh, Foxy Brown, um, you know, Switchblade Sisters. So he, he's he knows his shit. He's a great director. So, anyways, uh, Bloodbath comes along, which is a very odd movie. Um, it's a painter who believes he is reincarnated. As a vampire. <laughs> and he goes on a killing spree. Huh. That's basically the plot of the movie. But it goes on these side tangents. And I guess it's because of it being different movies. Because I'm really excited to watch the Operation Titan. Because it has a couple of the same actors that star in the movie. But a completely different cast. But Bloodbath, Track this of the Vampire. Like, so this isn't like just like a director's cut and a producer's no, cut. This no. is it's like something didn't work and they were uh-huh. like, reshoot it. And it's like that didn't work. 
reshoot some additional scenes. Oh, wow. I'm so, going to buy this just because of that. That's yeah. such an interesting uh, – because we, we talk about this a lot. That, that We know that this happens, but to have all them in one set uh, of this type of thing right. happening yeah. is fantastic. So basically what it goes into is that um, from what I've read and um, – because I, 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 I wanted to watch it, but I want people to actually get on this because I, <clears throat> I don't know how many people are going to watch four versions of Bloodbath. But I wanted to kind of put a little bug in your ear to get you to buy this so when I talk about it in the future, we have something to say here. Um, mainly because Bloodbath is a very simple movie. It's you know That's the one that I think Jack Hill likes the most because it's his movie mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just – it's a really fun uh, – it's like it, – it's like uh, what is that popular sun – uh, sun and fun movie that uh, is super popular with the girl with the blonde hair. Like, is it oh, fucking shit? What is the name of that fucking movie? God damn it. Well, anyways, it's very much like it's a very like poppy like side story. But then the horror kicks in as the vampire like kidnapping uh, women and then kind of this like detective type thing going on for it. Um, it's just a very odd how it's set up, but Operation Titan was the original movie, um, and then uh, I think Corman uh, put his money into this foreign film, um, and I believe that's where the portrait and the vampire comes. And then the movie just turned out to be complete garbage. He took footage from the vampire and the portrait stuff. Splite gave basically to Jack Hill. These other actors came in and did their thing, and then it became, you know, Portrait and Terror, and then Bloodbath, and then soon Track of the Vampire. So basically, the f- one film is something different. Then they took elements of it, put it in another movie with a different storyline, then recut it, and then there was Track of the Vampires like additional footage. So it's really bizarre how the whole thing's set up. But wow. I tell you what. There is a girl in this movie, Lori Saunders, who I didn't know existed, but she is the cutest thing I have seen in a while. Oh my <laughs> god, she's adorable, and she you know, she has that kind of that beach, kind of that you know that beach sun and fun look. God, yeah. what is the name of that fucking movie? Help me out, Sean. Dude, I don't know. You don't remember those fucking beach party movies that came out like in the fifties and sixties? Well, I, I remember, but I don't know what they were called or anything like that. I, I I know what you're talking about. God, dude, you it's know. one name and it starts with like a G. <sighs> you gotta you gotta wait. I don't know. I look at it up. Starts with a G. Uh, did you know that this was uh, originally on a double bill with Queen of Blood when it was released uh, theatrically? Queen of Blood. Why do I know that? Oh, from 1971. Yeah. American a- AIP released it theatrically. They just, re- the- they just released that on Blu-ray, didn't they? Queen of Blood. Yeah, I think I got it. I think I own it. Uh, Do I? But uh, that'd be fun to watch back to back. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I'm not gonna think of this fucking movie. I am so pissed off right now. I don't. I don't know, man. And I'm, we're going to get comments in the fucking section. So, yeah, like, that happens every week. We have a couple. Like, from last show, we have people schooling us on our mistakes. Yeah, Gidget. That's Gidget. Oh, my God. Jesus that was on the tip of my tongue. Holy Gidget. shit. God. And then, like, Gidget go, gets married. Gidget yeah, goes yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, and there's, I mean, Gidget was like a reoccurring character. But anyways, it has that Gidget-type thing because there's a lot of scenes at the beach. And it feels like that beach party movie for a second. And then you realize you're watching a horror movie again. Like it completely deviate, deviates from that story of the portrait with the vampire. And I mean, it's very much kind of how we talked about Evil Town, where it's, right. you know, it's two different movies. One thing's happening with one story, and then they reshot a bunch of stuff with another one. That's exactly what Bloodbath is. But uh, Jack Hill put together a really fun movie, splicing those two together, making you know our stars of this being hunted by a man in black, who is obviously the vampire that you see earlier in the movie, who is uh, re- believes he's reincarnated, attacking these girls. So um, definitely pick it up. Uh, I want to. I just kind of want to put that out there because. I don't know if people look at it and be like, well, I'm not going to pay fucking $35 for one uh, that, movie. That's the book no, that I've been in. No, it's it's four movies, and they're uh, basically two completely different movies. And it's a really cool set because there's a big pamphlet in about each movie and about how it was made and what happened. It's really interesting. Um, and I, well, I actually just read the Bloodbath part and Track of the Vampire because I didn't want to read something that I haven't seen yet. And there's a... A big ass fucking bloodbath poster in it, nice. and um, of course, uh, like a three disc with uh, all the movies on it, with a beautiful box. Like if you know anything about Arrow's boxes, it's very much, um, you know, it's not like the hard box like Killer Dames and shit like that. It's the other flimsy one, kind of like how Deep Red was released, and um, okay, uh, you know, Bright uh, of Reanimator uh, like that. Um, yeah, very, very similar to that. Just a little bit harder case. Oh, okay. So anyways, pick that up. I'm going to uh, watch those other two movies and revisit. Maybe you can see them too, Sean, and we can talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I, get... I don't mind watching it because Jack Hill is a fucking great director. If you haven't seen Spider Baby, Spider Baby is like one of the best movies from, I think it was like in the 60s. Mm-hmm. One of the best horror movies of the 60s. Probably one of the best, better horror films, like top 100, I would say, one of the like top 100 horror films of all time. Like that movie is so intriguing. Jack Hill knows how to do atmosphere. That's the one that's his strong point. I think that's the reason why bloodbath works for whatever mess came of the movie that I can't speak about. Um, obviously no one was happy with it. And if Corman's not happy with something, you know, something's wrong because the dude <laughs> would fucking, you know, recycle scenes and sets like a motherfucker. So if something wasn't right, bringing Jack Hill in, uh, you know, a, a very prominent director who became a prominent director. I mean, he, back when then this was made, he's just kind of getting started. But, you know, he, Jack Hill's very good with atmosphere. No matter what genre he does, he can create a setting and push you in that place in time. Whether you're watching women in prison movies to a black exploitation movie to a horror film. The man is all across the uh, board. He's very diverse. And the reason why he's so good at what he does is because his atmosphere. Like, he can put you in that sequence. He can put you in that scene. He can make you feel like part of the family. He can make you feel like the enemy. He can make you feel like the bad guy. He can make you feel like the innocent victim. So that's why I really like Jack Hill, is he has a way to tell a story to make you more involved. And I don't think too many directors can do that. You know, not too many directors can put you in the place 
or put you on the sidelines. Yeah. So you may feel like you're, you know, watching something real, but when do you feel like you're actually in the movie? And that's what Jack Hill accomplishes. And I think that's why bloodbath works because you feel like you're being stalked like these people and you feel like you're one of the gang when they're hanging out. And mainly you just want to be there with Laurie Saunders on the beach because the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, man, this movie's this has got a really revealing bikini for the fucking, you know, back in the day. Dude, uh, there was or uh, when we get talking about these next movies, uh, Barbara Boucher was in the Star Trek episode of Start with uh, Captain Kirk. And she's wearing something pretty revealing. Mm, I like it. It's, oh, like man. It. We sound like total dudes right now. <laughs> hey, um, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know? Hey, it is what it is. We don't try to hide it. Um, well, so anyways, uh, that's pretty much all I got other than the awesome. movies that we're going to talk about. Now. All right. <clears throat> so very solid, like all all of those, aside from Manson's Lost Girls, The Crush, Venom, Little Girl Lives in the Lane, Hard to Kill, Bloodbath, and the movies that we're going to talk about. It's Holy been a shit. solid, fo- solid fucking week for me, man. I'm so happy with physical media right now. So I'm just watching whatever comes my way because I was on such a high. Awesome, man. Well, cool. We're going to take a quick break here with news. Our boy Josh Obershaw is going to let us know some uh, some tidbits about some shit. And we'll be back talking about The Boy and then uh, the Killer Dames box set from Arrow. So stick around. And joining us for the news, Josh Obershaw in the house. What's up, man? Yeah. How's it going, Sean? Good. Very good, man. We got some good stuff to talk about today. Oh, yeah. Well, where do I start first? Well, should we just uh, get the big one out of the way? Yeah. Start off strong? (laughs) All right. Well, some news that just dropped this morning. Today actually is the fourth anniversary of Screen Factory, and they just dropped a bomb on us to celebrate looks like they're going to be releasing a two-disc collector's edition of John Carpenter's The Thing. Yes. Awesome. I don't know, what, I don't know why I should be surprised, but I am surprised, and I'm very, very grateful. Well, this they... one's going to be planned for uh, September. Okay. And, uh, we don't really have that much news as far as what's going to be on it and whatnot. The only things we do know right now is that there is going to be new artwork, of course, and it's confirmed that Drew Struzan's one sheet is going to be on the reversible wrap, and there will be new stars. With the, it, it, I think with John Carpenter's flicks, they've done an amazing job with each of those releases. So I doubt they're going to drop the ball on this one. Uh, this is going to be a good one. I'm really excited for it. The one thing that everyone's is kind of holding their breath for is like, is there going to be a new transfer? Because the HD DVD looks fantastic, apparently. Um, but the Blu-ray was there's like a lot of DNR and everything. I didn't have a huge problem with the the last Blu-ray that came out. I thought it looked okay. I haven't watched it recently. I, I, it's one of those ones I got when I first jumped into Blu-ray. But um, I was never like unhappy with it. But uh, just the fact that they're going to bring in all the special features that we lost in the transition to Blu-ray. And hopefully, and they're going to do new stuff. It's going to be a fantastic set. So, yeah, I, 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 they want this to be the end all be all. I think for this film. So, yeah, this is true, and um, I'm just hoping that all the bonus features that were on the collector's edition DVD will be mm-hmm. on this one because 
those were sorely missing on the on the Blu-ray. That's why I never picked it up. Yeah. Yeah, especially that, that one documentary about the making of. It's pretty epic. Pretty great. Making yeah, it is. It's so awesome. I'm 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 pretty sure they're gonna they're gonna bring all those. Um if not, they're gonna trump those with something, you know, some more some more stuff. So so I have confidence with them on this one. So I'm pretty pumped for it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. So Oh, mine too. Yeah. Cool. Well, next up, uh, we got an update on Shopping Mall. Um, nice. Now keep in mind. Now keep in mind that these are per Jim Winorski on his Facebook page. This is nothing <laughs> official as of yet. We're still waiting on like an official announcement about what exactly this Blu-ray is going to have on it. Yeah. But some of the details that he did. Um, let the public know, or at least Facebook know, uh, it's going to be there, the, the release date is tentative for October, and it is said to be a 1080p Blu-ray master with mono audio, and it's going to be 1.85 to one from the original sound and picture elements. So it's not going to be full frame like the DVD was. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, yeah he's been touring and, that uh, that remastered print around, so apparently it looks great. What I've heard, so. Apparently, it's going to blow our minds. (laughs) And some of the iffy ones, um, like I said, none of this is official. Apparently, there's going to be two commentaries. It won't be the extended cut. Um, Somebody on Facebook mentioned a documentary that was a documentary crew that was there on the set filming for a separate documentary. And who knows? um, Probably they'll track it down. If not, then. Oh, well. But. Apparently there um, is going to be maybe some interviews with uh, Kelly Maroney and Barbara Crampton. Again, not firm, so <laughs> we'll just keep you posted if that happens. You know, from uh, looking at the social media for for this particular release, it it sounds like Barbara Crampton is down to do it. So that's pretty exciting. So hold oh, your breath, everybody. Yeah, she's great. She's so open to stuff like this. She's she's just fantastic. So that one uh, is the. There's a good possibility that that might happen. We'll see. And uh, speaking of Winorski, he also revealed on his Facebook page that Return of Swamp Thing is coming to Blu-ray. Now I don't know who this is. Who's putting this out? There are no other details other than that. But I'm excited for that. Oh one. man, I love that flick so much. I watched that so much too. when it came out on VHS. Um, <laughs> It's like almost every night for a while I was watching that flick, and uh, I had the DVD, and the DVD looks great. So if I can upgrade that to to blue, man, I'll be happy camper. It's it's so great, it's so cheesy and and everything. Um, but I, 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 I both of it. those movies were actually favorites of mine when I was a kid too. So yeah, and it's and it's got probably one of my favorite opening credit sequences in all of movies <laughs> that whole montage of panels from swamp thing oh, comics yeah. set great. to set set the ccrs born on the bayou that's how yeah. i was introduced to that song oh man <sighs> memories <laughs> uh speaking of uh, return of swamp thing i was uh, referred to this company called Classic Films Direct. It's a website, and it's part of a, a UK company called Screenbound Entertainment. 
and uh, apparently they have some releases that are uh, lined up, including Return of Swamp Thing, but also Satan's Blood, Funny Man, Lon Chaney's Witchcraft, and Bloody New Year. So uh, when I have some more details on that, I think uh, I need to write up something about Screenbound because okay. yeah, we know we've talked. I was going to ask because I know that we, we were on a text message back and forth with Brad, and, and he was giving you the information. But I was going to ask you if you were going to post something on that. Oh yeah, once I get more information on yeah. them, I'm going to definitely post something on that cuz we we constantly tell people, you know what, region free is the way to go because a lot of these, you know, movies that we like aren't available on Blu-ray in the states, so it's, you know, important to, you know, keep that option open so you have more stuff to buy, yeah. more movies to, you know, to get <laughs> more to, add to your collection. To throw your money on. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. More temptation. That's just that's just what we need. I mean, I've looked on the on the website. I've seen quite a few titles. It looks like they the website Classic Films Direct actually carries Blu-rays from other companies too. Like I saw a lot of Arrow stuff. Oh, okay. On that website. And I also saw uh Blu-rays for movies like Blood on Satan's Claw and Witchfinder General. So, we should really really look into that and and Keep everybody up to date on that company. Sounds good. And I got another, I got another Code Red list, Sean. Oh man, another one. <laughs> they just keep announcing movies yeah. left and right, but I'm not. Well, some stuff's coming out. I know that uh, the Diabolic got some Diabolic DVD, and I know that Screen Archives has some. So they're slowly trickling out. Yeah, slowly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is another big list. I mean, I, I mean, I rattled off a list last week and now i got another one to rattle off but the big one is going to be a movie called zeter aka revenge of the dead <coughs> from 1983 i actually saw a trailer for this one it looks awesome uh the only uh there there is a um a bonus feature that was announced it's an interview with um ovidio asanidis Hope I said that right. This is the guy who directed um, Piranha 2, The Spawning, and also Beyond the Door. Now, I don't know why he's being interviewed for this particular title, because I actually looked this. I looked up the credits for the movie on IMDb, and I didn't see his name in the titles. Hmm. I, didn't see, I didn't see his name in the credits, excuse me. So I don't know what's up with that, but apparently that's one of the features that's going to be on it. Next up from Code Red is uh, Slaughterhouse Rock. And the feature that we know is going to be on this one is an interview with the director of photographer Nicholas von Sternberg. Next up is Deadly Dreams. Then we've got Mutant. Now, this is the 1984 horror movie starring Wings Hauser. This isn't the 1982 Mutant, which is also known as Forbidden World. Right, which is awesome, by the way. Yes, it is. Cheesy goodness. And <laughs> cheesy gooey goodness. Yeah. Next up, we got Twisted Nightmare. Then we have a 1983 action movie called Mission Kill starring Robert Ginty, who a lot of people know as the um, the exterminator. Nice. Next up, Term- Terminal Island. This is a 1973 exploitation movie starring Tom Selleck. Interesting. <laughs> and for this one... There's going to be an extended audio interview with actress Phyllis Davis, who apparently is no longer with us. 
Next up, I got Moonshine County Express. This is a 1977 feature starring John Saxon. Next up, group marriage, and that's going to include an interview with Scientologist <laughs> spokesman Jeff Pomerantz. No way. That's amazing. Yeah. that's. <laughs> I'm going to get it just for that. Interesting one. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I, I've never heard of this movie before, but for that, I'm, I'd throw money for that one. And finally, I got another exploitation movie from 73. That one's called The Working Girls. Nice. Not, not to be confused with Working Girl. Right. And I got one other bit of exciting news for all of you, especially for you canon fans. All of Films has announced that they're going to be releasing American Ninja and American Ninja 2 The Confrontation on Blu-ray. Aren't they doing the uh, three and four as well? Uh, no, I didn't see three and four uh, on Slate. I think they're doing them all. At least I don't think. I might have to double check that because I only saw, I only got the bonus features right now for um for the first two movies. On, and I know uh, both of those are coming out on the sixteenth. Yeah, I think it's uh one through four on DVD and Blu-ray. Let me look it up here. Let me try and look it up. Yep. No. Yep. Right. We're one through four. So, um, I think I believe eighty-eight films released this in the UK, and I have that box set. So it's pretty fantastic. So, um, yeah. So, American Ninja, American Ninja Two, The Confrontation, uh, Three, Blood Hunt, and then Four, The Annihilation. Wow, so if 88 Films release a box set, these are going to be in, uh, released individually. Right. They, 88 Films did a, both a box set, and then um, they released them individually, I believe. Oh, okay. And I just found out set, about American course, Ninja just now. Yeah, Missing from the Set, of course, is American Ninja 5, uh, but that was only a sequel in name only. So, which is why it's not getting lumped yeah. into these. Oh, okay. I just remember the four. I didn't know there was a fifth, but yeah. that's why. That was actually another title I saw on the Classic Films District website, by the way. Very cool. And uh, for American Ninja, American Ninja 2, I know there's going to be a commentary with director Sam Furstenberg. American Ninja has a making of called Rumble in the Jungle. It has interviews with Furstenberg, actors Michael Dudikoff and uh, Judy Aronson, screenwriter Paul DeMelch. hope I said that right. Stunt coordinator Steve Lambert. There's also going to be a trailer and optical English subtitles. Uh, that's pretty much going to be the same for American Ninja 2, except the making of doc is called An American Ninja in Cape Town. And in addition to interviews with Furstenberg and Dudikoff, there's co-star Gary Conway, executive producer Avi Lerner, and stunt coordinator B.J. Davis. Sweet. So that's the exciting news for this week. What do you think? I think we got to start saving our money. Things just keep uh, <laughs> getting announced. Cool, man. Thank you very much. I'm sure we'll have plenty more stuff next week, the way things have been going on. We're, we're wrapping into summertime, so um, oh, I, know. I feel like around this time of year is when we start getting some really killer announcements, especially once you get into fall and then towards Christmas, because that's kind of when we got the uh, when Screen Factor released that the Halloween box set. Um, so, I mean, 
hopefully we hopefully there's some fun gems from Screen Factory. Arrow is knocking it out of the park. It seems like every time they announce something, it's just fantastic. Like they're not holding off. Like for certain times of the year, like every I, I look forward to every time they announce their new stuff. So, but yeah, man, these companies are great, man. They're uh, they're really ramping it up. This especially this year, I feel like so. Totally, it's been an exciting year for these kind of releases too. Yeah, you know, my bank account isn't so happy, but but you know, <laughs> collections looking damn good though. But uh, what I've started doing is I'm unloading all my kind of more mainstream movies that you can rent easily or show that'll show up on Netflix and keep only things you know for the most part, other than like my favorite films. Uh, trying to keep mostly uh, things that are more off the wall and hard to find. That's my goal by the end, by the end of the summer. So we'll that's see. a good goal to have, considering how how scarce some of these movies are. Yeah, and the I mean, fact yeah. that a lot of these a lot of these titles are being released in such limited quantities. Yeah, my my buying habits the past few years have definitely changed. I used to just every Tuesday go and see what what's at Best Buy or whatever. And I'm the past month I haven't really done that. I've rented more of those movies. Um, like the boy, I, I rented that and, um, a few other things just getting in that habit and then putting that money that I would have spent aside and saving it for, you know, like an arrow release or something like that. So, so we'll see, you know, it takes 30 days to start a habit, right? So I've been, I've, I've been doing it for about a month, so we'll see if this keeps on, keeps on trucking. All right, man. But it's well, definitely a good pro tip for all our collectors. Yes. There. Yeah. Buy wisely. Because mainstream stuff, it's gonna and either that'll show up for five bucks on Black Friday or it'll drop to Netflix. So like that stuff, always if you can hold off on. But um, the other stuff, like from Arrow and Screen Factory and uh, Kino, like the prices never drop, and you're never the the best Black Friday deal you're gonna get is probably gonna be maybe for twelve ninety nine on a Kino. But Arrow is never going to get that low. Screen Factory might every now and then get around 10 bucks for their kind of standard releases, but not for their collector's editions. So unless nobody buys Jeepers Creepers and they drop that price to like 5 bucks a piece, <laughs> unload them. Oh, that would be so great. <laughs> still not going to be a buy them. It's still not going to buy them, but it's going to be funny. No, I don't know. It, that The way things are going, I, I mean, that there's that those will do well for them and you know i know it's a weird discussion to have people are excited about it so i'm not i'm not gonna poop in the pool of people who are excited about something like they they, it's a free country they can do what they want but um yep anyway um all right well we'll talk to you next week all right i'll stop eating up yeah i'll stop eating up showtime and let you guys Ah, whatever uh, whatever (laughs) all right all right josh thanks man No problem. See you guys next week.
right, man, we got some movies to talk about, some good shit to dive into. Um, let's talk about, start things off talking about the movie The Boy, which is, was released in 2016, earlier this year. And I kind of wrote it off until you saw it and uh, you told me to watch it. So, dude, turning this over to you, man. Why should we talk about The Boy? Well, that's what I was going to get into. I, I <laughs> like Normally, I would just put this on what's on our doorstep yeah. and leave it alone. But... Um, after I watched the movie, you know, because I, I went in, I was like, you know, fucking PG-13 horror film or whatever, you know, not that I dismiss PG-13 horror because there's a lot of it, you know, a lot of good PG-13 horror films. But, you know, it was seemed like one of those movies that just got thrown in there mm-hmm. um, at the box office. It bombed. It left really quick. So I was like, whatever. But, I, you know, I got the hookup at my movie stop that was going out of business. So I was like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll pick it up, whatever. It was just a few bucks because they had this discount promotion thing. So, um, you know, family gets together and I'm like, you know, they don't know what I want to watch. And I'm like, oh, let's watch this. You know, I heard it was, you know, not that great, but it's a PG-13 horror film. What can go wrong? So that said, I kind of went out with really low expectations, but I don't think that alters anything because I think what we have here is a solid horror film. Mm Mm-hmm. But the reason why I wanted to focus on it is because it did get shit on and it got dismissed because, number one, it's PG-13. Number two, critics just, you know, kind of shit all over it like they always do. And, you know, because it wasn't new, it wasn't something great. You know, it wasn't – it didn't have a fucking, you know, synthesized soundtrack, so it wasn't very good. Hey, it had um, Lauren Cohen. <laughs> so but the so. thing is it's got a great soundtrack it's got great cinematography it's got great <laughs> acting like it's all across the board like there's no fails in the movie like you could say you know um oh it's kind of generic no not really no nah, it's you know you could say that about every movie then if that's the case because all, all yeah. movies are copy off of one another there's inspiration much. there's yeah. definitely inspiration but so but you know, the, the boy is simple. A woman is on the run from her past. She stumbles across this great gig of babysitting while uh, these parents go out of town. When she gets to the house, she realizes that she's actually babysitting a doll, which is in the form of a boy. And the family treats it like it is a real child. And she's kind of taken back at first. She's like, oh, this is really funny. But then she realizes that these people are completely serious. And it is her duty to watch over this doll while they go on vacation. So now she's thinking, man, this is really fucking great because now I get to party and basically do nothing because I have no responsibility. Yeah, fuck that doll. Who's going to watch – why am I going to follow these rules? So anyways – of course, you know, the reason why it's called The Boy is some funky things start to happen with the doll. Um, it starts moving around. It just – some creepy shit happens. Um, and then your story unfolds along with a love interest who's played by one of my favorite actors, Rupert Everins, Evans, who is gr- fucking great in this. He's great in everything. He's the lead in Asylum Blackout, which I'll mention again. Watch Asylum Blackout. I talk about it all the time. Um, but <clears> – <throat> He's, he's, he's a great, like the acting is always superb. Even the parents do such a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the older, the older lady, the mom mm-hmm. does so good. Like she's so real oh, yeah. when she's talking to that doll. Like you really feel like you feel that pain because obviously there's a story behind of why they actually have the doll and it's kind of heartfelt. And, you know, there's a moment where, 
um, you know, the truth is told about the doll. And you're like, man, this is kind of sad for a second. And then it kind of gets back into the horror aspect. But, you know, like I said, the cinematography is beautiful in this movie. The setting is very gothic style, very hammer oriented, mm-hmm. I think. Like, uh, if you could t- take um, a certain movie, I can't mention it because I realize that would be a spoiler if I mentioned another movie. Yeah, we gotta be, we gotta tread carefully yeah. around this one. So there's a movie from the '90s that's by a popular director um, who recently passed away, um, and uh, the movie Dolls by Stuart Gordon. If you took those two movies together and then put it like in a Hammer atmosphere, mm-hmm. it's kind of what the boys like. It has that like old gothic style um you know setting but also has this kind of like new age feel um with because it's obviously modern mm-hmm. and then it kind of has this like retro no winking at the camera type feel to the movie like you're getting these vibes like is this like for uh, times I'm like I'm watching a movie from 2016 this isn't. This doesn't feel like 2016. Yeah. This feels like I'm watching something from the 80s. And once the movie unfolds and you know more and more about it, you feel like, man, this is totally fucking like this is super retro. Like I feel like I'm watching a movie on VHS and from 1986 right now. So, uh, and I, that's one of the reasons why I want to focus. I think the movie is special in its own way i mean or i'm talking fucking the revolution of cinema or any ever anything <laughs> with this with this movie no but in the movie got unfair treatment i believe because i think there is something special well you i know, think part of the unfair treatment is because the director william brent bell directed a devil inside and which uh, was not a very good movie no and, and people, i will stand up for the fuck out of stay alive if you want to battle me if you want to battle me on Stay Alive, I'll invite you on this podcast, and I'll debate that movie to the death. Because because you name a movie that is as clever as Stay Alive, I'll give you a billion dollars. Nice. So basically, um, do you know the plot of Stay Alive? Does that have to do with a video game? Yeah, they get like trapped in a video game, but it's like real life. It's like Silent Hill. <laughs> oh, dude. Fucking that dude from Malcolm in the Middle, isn't uh. it? Dude, it's fucking it it's it's a really fucking fun movie. It's on oh. HD on Voodoo. Get it? Nice. Um. Well, he he. I mean, Devil Inside got such a bad rap because I think the movie end it ends and then it tries to send you to a, a website to see the to finish the story or something like that. Uh, no, it just the, uh, the movie just had just a, it was just venom flowing out the, of the problem with it is that you have the first act, you have the second act, but the third act it seems like the movie's cut short. Right. Okay. And it's like it just ends, and you're, and you're like, wait, what was the climax of the movie? Like, is there a resolution? <laughs> because it's not right. one of those that's like, ooh, it leaves you open ended. No, it just like you don't know what's happening. Yeah. It's just a very confusing movie. Well, then um, a few years back, he did a movie called Where. And then yeah, the werewolf the movie. Yeah. Is it, is the, it, have you seen that one? Yeah, it's really good. Is it good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, I, mean, this, I mean, he seems like. The he thing must have is, got a really good cinematographer for this one because it's it seems very confident. Well, where is it looks really good. That's too. It? okay. Yeah. The thing is with this director is that um, I didn't realize I didn't catch the name when I saw the movie at first, and uh-huh. then I like looked it up and I was like, holy shit, this explains everything. Like because if you took where, if you took Stay Alive, if you took um, uh, shit, what was the other movie we just mentioned? Well, Devil Inside. 
yeah, the devil inside, you kind of get to see the style of what he's doing. He's obviously a lover of corny 80s cinema. Yeah. It's very well, like, you could totally tell with the plot from Stay Alive to the story of where and how it all unfolds and fucking, you know, Jesus, devil inside, like, you're you're basically making an 80, 80s found footage movie is what you're doing. Um, but it's just not – it just – but you ran out of money. That's what it felt like. <laughs> um, but anyways, kind of like how Neon Maniacs just ends because they, <laughs> they ran out of money. So they're like, fuck it. It'll yeah, but Neon Maniacs out. is incredible. Yeah. Well, that's the reason why it's incredible. <laughs> it's so goofy. Um, probably like 30 years from now, <laughs> Devil Inside will be a cult classic. Yeah, probably. Or no, not the Devil Inside. It was the Devil's Side or the Devil, De- Devil's Do. Uh, uh, yeah, the inside. Devil Inside. That's I'm thinking of the Devil's Do. The poster's the lady with the, the upside down cross on her lip. Right, right. The Devil Inside doesn't have a third act. Right, I think I, that's I'm the so- whole problem. I'm like- <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got <laughs> it confused with the Devil's Do. Um, all right. So anyways, so many fucking found footage know, huh? devil's movies. So anyways, yeah, the devil inside just ends. Like it has a first act. That's really solid has a second act where you're like, okay. And then it just ends and you're like, wait a second, <laughs> what happened? And then it says, these are true events. Go to this website to right. find out what right. happened. It's like, I don't want to do that. Show me what the fuck happened. You actually being in the theater and it tries to send you to a website. I would be pissed. Oh, dude, I understand. I, I understand booed. the, <laughs> yeah, the first act of that movie is fantastic. Okay. Um, and a second one kind of holds up. It just falls apart quickly because it just ends. Well, I'm going to, so I'm adding it, where and uh, stay yeah, alive to my, where is really is, is a lot of fun. Stay alive is so goofy. It is uh, such a blast. Um, so anyway, but that's the reason why I wanted to spend a little bit more time with it because I think critics already had their minds made up because they laughed at the guy's filmography. But I mean, if you enjoy, you know, fucking movies from the if you talk to if if you enjoy all the movies I just talked about in what's on your doorstep and what we base this podcast on, you're going to find some enjoyment out of the boy. You're going to find some enjoyment out of Stay Alive because. You know, they're trying something different. Not the boy is doing anything different because once it unfolds, you know that you've seen this story before. Yeah, you but you're kind of – yeah. And, but but thing, it's but the, the execution. You're having right. fun with it. And and the the characters are so great. You know, Rupert Evans is – his character is great. You want to know what happens to the characters. Lauren Cohen is super hot, but she's super – like she's a great actress in this as well. I don't know what – I don't – She's, I think she's been in some other kind of B movie stuff, but she's really good in this. Like you get, you kind of get it. Like there's, there's a scene when, when, when the old couple leaves and it's just her. And then, you know, she covers the boy up with a blanket. Like, okay, you stay there. Uh, I'm gonna go grab myself some wine. You know, I'm gonna get myself some drinks. Um, and then the way she just kind of, at first just kind of is like, you know, this is an easy gig. You get kind of her character and, you know, and you, why. Fall, you fall into place with her. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You understand exactly what she's doing, and dude, you would do this like everybody would do the same thing. I totally would. Put, you kidding me? It, yeah, it puts you in that that spot. But what another thing? What I really liked about the boy is is that I watch a lot of fucking horror movies, a lot, and a lot of movies are beat by beat the same, which mm-hmm. is fine. It's just all about how it's presented. Like you could do a slasher. It might be the greatest slasher in the world if you present it correctly. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it doesn't have to be new. You can redo anything because there's what is like the old story is that only seven different stories can be told, like man versus man, man versus nature, that type of thing. Yeah. Well, anyways, like that's fine, but it's all about presentation. So the boy keeps you guessing. Like you might think, oh, I had it figured out in the beginning. Well, that's fine, but a lot of people didn't. I you know. I, yeah. I was in the movie and I was like, I paused it and I'm like, okay. It could be this, it could be that, or it could be this. And I'm like thinking, I like, you know, bathroom break. I say, I say to Janice, I was like, so what do you think it is? Like, what do you think's going on? And then she's like, oh, I think it's this, I think it is. And I was like, wait, when have I ever done this in a movie? When have I ever paused the movie and tried to think about the ending? Yeah, no, I totally was. I remember, like, I was, yeah, totally. Like, yep. your, your wheels are just turning. You're like, man, like, that movie gets you thinking. Now, you might think, oh, I got it. I, I found it out. Yeah, but you, like... Think about it. Like movies are actually making you think. Like it's not guessing who the like mass killer is. It's not guess what's going to happen. You know, with this person at the end of the movie, guess, guess who's going to survive? No, it's like there's all these possibilities mm-hmm. because the movie presents it that way. You know, you're like, wait a second, are people crazy? Is the doll moving? What the fuck is happening to people? Yeah. No. Yeah, it could have been any – it totally could have gone any way. There's like – there's mm-hmm. like almost – I think there's basically four different ways. And they're all ways you've seen in other films. Because that's where it all comes from. Right. But it's presented in such a way and it just – the movie does get a little batshit. Like yeah, it's like – I love it. All this – because I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, once everything unfolds, I'm like – I look over at Janice and I'm like, oh, this is the best movie ever made. <laughs> I was like, this is like, this is, th- these are the movies that grab me. And I, you know, still, I think, no, I mean, we're only five months in, but the boy probably will be on my top 10 list. Wow. Because that's a movie that intrigues me because number one, it's got great acting. The cinematography is it's fucking fantastic. beautiful. Yeah. Like the, the fucking house. It's very, house, very how hammer. How dark it is. Like, mm-hmm. dude. I was expecting fucking Peter Cushing to jump out and be like, what's up, bitch? <laughs> um, so anyways, like it just has this whole feel to it. It's got a great soundtrack. Um, it's got a great like the one thing I did notice about it. It's got great sound design, too. Yeah. You turn this shit up and your fucking speakers on and that fucking bass kicks in. Um, the doll's super creepy. But everything about this movie is fine. Like there's nothing wrong. So it was. I thought it was really. Un, it got a very unfair treatment. Yeah. So, anyways, that was uh, that was the boy. Let me know because basically, you know, on, on Twitter, I was like, I was like looking at my tweet and I was like, here we go. We're gonna get all these fucking haters. The boy sucks. How can you watch? <laughs> but the general response was, Brad, you're right. Like yeah. I, I enjoyed that movie too. And it's like we got people out of the woodwork because it was like one of those things. Wait, can I publicly say I like a PG-13 horror movie that was shit on? Yeah, you can yeah. because oh, yeah, that's, what can. Movie, that's what movies deserve that are good. You know the one thing I'm, – I'm so frustrated that this kind of got shit on and didn't do better because the the Blu-ray release is a bare bones. Like there's nothing. They, they There's – they shot um, interviews with people. You can go onto IMDb and watch full-on little segments and interviews of with with everyone, but none of that made it onto uh, onto the Blu-ray. Right. There's, but like, there's like 13 to be fair, videos you can watch. 
but to be fair, are people going to put something out like that with special loaded with special features when no one cared about the fucking movie? I guess not. But I mean, I I, I watched and I cared. Now at least at least something like there's uh, there's an interview with each of the actor between three and four minutes each. You know, even if it's that, even if it's like ten minutes of extra special features, it's like give me something, like like nothing. Like it gets a slipcase. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, it's like twenty five bucks. You know, I did misspeak. I said the movie did bomb, and it didn't. It did very well. It oh, was it? just okay. that by critics, it got well, really. Why the hell didn't they give it a decent uh, Blu-ray release? I don't are, know. Are we just in that age now where where companies are just not going to really do the effort anymore? Um, you know what? I remember reading it was uh, it's a Canadian film. Maybe those are because I'll tell you why. Because sometimes uh, Canadian movies are funded by the government, mostly. Huh. That maybe they hold the rights to the extra footage that was filmed for special features. Maybe. So maybe when it's released in the UK, you'll get special features. Well, I, I mean, I want see I mean, if I'm I, right. I want to own this. Um, it's like twenty five bucks for the Blu Ray, which is bare bones. So I might as well, if I'm going to buy it, buy it on Vudu, which is like fourteen ninety nine. Um, I'm going to kind of wait on this. I, I rented it and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. And it's, uh, I mean. I want to kind of dig more into. I would love to hear the director talk about this film, you know, because there is. It's just it's fun when you hear a director talk about their influences and what they were drawing on when they released the film. And like we've said, like this is this is a very much a contemporary Hammer film. I mean, this is more than more of a Hammer film than like the last Hammer film we had, which was the, the Woman in Black Two. Um, but um, but yeah, man, it's, this is a it's. I had a blast with this thing because I wanted to, even though I was kind of guessing what could happen or, or had a few ideas, I still wanted to see it through to the end because I was engaged with the film. So, and there's, there is a, there's a moment when something happens and I was like, Oh fuck. You know, <laughs> I was just like, what's going to happen now? You know, I, I haven't had that in a, in a long time. Yeah. So. I, it comes out in the UK on, um, July 11th. Hmm. Um, what about Canada? I was trying to look to see if uh, if anything had special features. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're yes. on IMDb. There's a few interviews there, but uh, there's like, I think, I feel like this film is a little more special, you know, that I think people like me are going to want to dive in. You know, but uh, either way, either way, the movie's great. Like, I, I do want to own this eventually. Um, I'm gonna wait till the price drops for sure. But, but it's just, uh, I, I think more people need to give this film a shot. And, you know, I mean, it's funny. It's like my daughter is like has friends at school that are now in getting into horror. And and when this movie came out in the theaters, my daughter was asking me about it. Because they, they were talking about it, so I'm not surprised that it did well in the theaters. I mean, it didn't I don't think it blew up, but it probably made its money back. It probably did decent. But um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we encourage you guys to check it out. Let us know what you guys think. For sure. Yeah, I, I the response that I got on um, online was, uh, you know, people really did like it. So. 
I was happy to read. Everybody kind of agreed with me. Nice. So this is, I mean, this is the the total example of something kind of gaining traction. You know, once it is released on home video, I think. All right, man. Are we ready to dive into this Arrow box set? Yes. I know I am. Talk about some beautiful Italian women. Mm. And some uh, fantastic giallo storytelling. <clears throat> All right. So let's uh, – I'm going to introduce these in the order that I watched them. Wh- which one did you watch first? Did you watch Night no. of Evelyn first? You need to talk about Night of Evelyn first. The night Evelyn came out of the grave. Rated R. These two films are kind of, uh, are these lesser known Giallo films? I mean, I know that these kind of came out when there was, it was kind of become more popular. More directors are trying to, more studios are trying to kind of push more kind of Giallo films. And, um, and this came out directed by Emilio Miraglia. Emilio P. Miraglia. That's and pretty good. He directed both of these films. Um, both of these films also star. Um, oh shoot! Is it not here? Mm. Uh, Marina Malfatti. So she's uh, in both of these films. But yeah, let's start with the uh, the night Evelyn came out of the grave. Oh yeah! If you flip the cover art around, it's even better. It's the uh, it's the woman with a skeleton face uh, holding a decapitated screaming head. Yeah, that's the um, cover that I always knew. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, I was familiar with the night that Evelyn came out of the grave for probably quite some time. That was um, one of my very first uh, Giallo films that I watched. Nice. So. What I like about these is they're kind of. Uh, you know, in a way, like these melodramatic kind of family dramas, you know, the backdrop of like, um, kind of these are kind of upper class people, right? Um, and it all, always kind of the story kind of boils around, you know, someone has passed away and, and they're waiting to kind of divvy up their estate and, and their will. Right. So yeah, like mm. a handful of people and they're all being given something different by the person who has passed away. And uh, therefore the mystery ensues of, you know, who's offing the other people, you know, pretty much. But, um, so this is, uh, in, in the seventies. What, when did you see this? What was your first initial like reaction of, of this? This is my um, first time watching it. So I was impressed by the story. I thought it was, you know, because it's considered giallo, but it's not really follow suit right. to a lot of the giallo films. It's more or less a murder mystery, which, of course, people are like, well, that's giallo, Brad. Um, <laughs> it's true, but it's how the stories are told and the way they're presented that makes it a giallo film. Because you can have, you know, a fucking, you know, futuristic space movie in a giallo setting. You could. But. Not that it exists, but it was just – it didn't really follow. But I, I saw it when I was – I don't know. Um, I don't know. I saw it very young. I would say very young in my teens, like early teens. It, I had a uh, blockbuster. I rented a copy of it. Or actually, I know. I think I rented this at Video Hut. 
But anyways, you know, my initial reaction was I thought it was a cool little murder mystery. You know, um, it has some really creepy imagery. Um, you know, it's also at the same same time, it just has this like kind of this like women empowerment side to it where because basically the story is that you have um, this wealthy man who is released from a mental institution um, and uh, basically it's following it's after his wife uh, is dead um, right. he he basically goes crazy because he finds out his wife was with what another man yeah and he, he goes catches, he catches them yeah. uh, fucking under a tree. Yeah, he he and he has like you know flashbacks of that and shit, and then um, basically he goes on a killing spree, um, murdering uh, you know uh, prostitutes and 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 shit like that. Um, basically because of his uh, dead wife, um, and soon you find out that to meet kind of amends that he is told that you should find a woman that looks like your wife, Evelyn, a redhead and marry her. And then, um, he does, he finds the love of his life. And she's a blonde. She's blonde. She's blonde. Yeah. Gladys. Well, Marina, right. Marina blonde, Mal- yeah. Malfatti, who's in uh, the next film as well. Yeah, she is blonde. Yeah, so I think I think it was you need to find someone that's like her, not that looks like her. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like all I know is, um, okay, first of all, this movie's it, it's ask it's almost asking a lot of the viewer at first because you're kind of asked to, you know, follow this basically murderer <laughs> who tortures women in like an S and M dungeon. Well, it's very misogynistic. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's like beating the fuck out of these girls. Yeah, and so it's like it introduces you him doing this stuff, and then you're like, oh, oh, this is our main character. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize he was going to be our main character throughout the whole film, and then all of a sudden, now it's we're moving into, oh, yeah, he needs to marry a woman, and he meets Gladys, and within you know a night of knowing each other, um, she agrees to marry him. Um, there's a fantastic introduction though to one of the redheads um, where she's dancing out of a coffin. Oh yeah, yeah. Who? Uh, which actress was that? Uh, Erica Blanc, and uh, she actually introduces the the Blu-ray. She's <laughs> fantastic. That's funny. She, uh, but she comes out uh, uh, ass first uh, from a coffin. The yeah, se- she comes- the seventies man. Yeah, crazy. Does does a little sexy dance too. <laughs> so, but um, but yeah, I mean it. it that aspect of the film, I think, for me was like, should, it was normally you have kind of flawed characters, but like not this flawed. Like this guy's a straight up yeah. killer. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, I agree. And you're kind of stuck with him and you can't yeah. really leave. You're just following his story. But when you find out that once <clears throat> he meets Gladys, um, he, uh, they move. Well, he moves. He moves from London. He moves back into his estate. Yeah, and then she uh, she starts seeing things, and basically, uh, Evelyn mm-hmm. with her red hair and uh, skull face, um, you know, this uh, you know deteriorating woman pops up 
and then the story kind of unfolds from there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice that in the estate when he has he gathers he has all the the women, all the maids that are helping, they all they all look alike. They all yeah. look alike, and they all have blonde hair. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying is that they they resemble like he is very big on um kind of the the hair. It's like almost a fetish of people looking alike. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's what, a weird it's yeah. a weird uh so, but, but he gets to a point where he gets back into being a little psycho. Is he always psycho? Because now <sighs> um, <clears throat> his flawed character, um, he finds out that Evelyn might have faked her death to get away from him. And that's kind of where he goes kind of ballistic again and, and, and kind of goes insane trying to find out, is that true? Is, you know, Evelyn out there? And it just kind of turns out to be a big bloody fucking mess towards towards the end. It, yeah. it unfolds and it just gets it really gets crazy. It's great, man. I mean, that's what I love about these films, especially film like this, because it is it is a murder mystery and it is a whodunit. And you're wondering, are there supernatural? You know, it's just the same thing with with the boys. Like, are there supernatural things at play? What's going on? Is the main character crazy? You have all these questions, and that's why. When we you brought up talking about the boy too, like these movies have all have a parallel with that you know these these kinds of questions that come up you know is this really supernatural um, what what really is going on and and you know the Evelyn here is is has that has that in spades you know because you don't know you don't know because your main character is ultimately so flawed that it's like any anything's a possibility with this guy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, um, it's almost like a a horror, like it's like a horror soap opera. Yeah, like that's a very much what it's like, and that's kind of why it's hard for me to say it. That it's more or less giallo because it is very like hammer. It's like a hammer soap opera, but Italian. If right, that makes any sense? Yeah, I mean, because. I mean, everyone would associate the giallo thing with the with like the trench coat and the gloves and the knife and the hat. You're right, right, and that's <clears> not what giallo is. Giallo is just a way of storytelling. Exactly. Yeah, but people kind of start lumping. You know, just how with any genre, people start kind of shortcutting. You know, and but yeah, I mean this this has like little elements of that, but I mean it's not necessarily the the focus at all. Yeah. But uh, but it's great. There's so many great performances in here and and just the the 70s culture and i don't know i mean it's just so funny sometimes like we've talked about this before with other 70s type films um what was that one there's another one where um that woman lived next door and they would have wild kind of crazy beatnik parties oh shoot what was that it was one of these other movies that we talked about from arrow probably what i can't remember what are you talking about Oh, there's another, there's another film. I was talking about the seventies in general. Like these, these Italian films in the seventies have just kind of funny, um, you know, the, the whole night, nightlife culture, you know? Yeah. And this one is the, the, the strip clubs and the, the way that, the that Erica Blanc's introduced and, and things yeah. like that. But I, I mean, I think it's a, I, I think this is a fun movie for, for a lot of people that likes horror and dramas and kind of like almost, um, you know, just a murder mystery because how it's once it starts, like 
and from the ending, it, it completely changes pace. It becomes really crazy. It, um, you know, it, it really fucks with your head and it fucks with the characters, which is even more fun because we're dealing with a bunch of bad people. Mm-hmm. Like everybody in this movie is not a very good person. Once you kind of find out what's all unfolding and it's like, fuck, man, like everybody in this movie is kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, there's no really there's no one really to kind of get behind. Like, <laughs> You know, I don't think it spoils anything. It's just it's no. just a lot of it's a lot of fun to watch kind of everything like escalate. It doesn't evolve. It escalates and then devolve like into just like complete insanity. Well, I think it also helps because like, any. Much- any of these people can can meet their demise because there's they're not you know there's not one that's overly likable you know what i mean so it's like shoot any one of these characters can just just you know get their throat slit right now you know yeah damn sean i'm just saying no no so um did you know that when this movie came out in theaters they are doing these gimmick things called blood corn and they would like have like red food dye on the on the popcorn. That's pretty funny. That was in the uh, I think was it, is Stephen Thrower interviewed in here? I think he mentions it. Somebody mentioned it. Uh, I actually didn't get to the special features on this one. But I, I think Thro- Thrower was involved in with one of them. I think he's interviewed in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interview with critic Stephen Thrower. But yeah, he mentions that, or somebody mentions that. But there's a. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in there. Having Erica Blanca introduce the film is really fun. Um, she's uh, she's still kicking, and uh, you know it's just it's, it's great. But there's a uh, so much of other stuff that I haven't uh, got to yet either. I mean, um, I I didn't even get to finish reading that full on book that it comes with with all those articles, these box yeah. sets. It's a lot of good stuff, man. But I, I suggest when you do, if you buy this box set and you watch these movies, um, definitely start with this one first because this kind of like I yeah. think they're a great double feature because they they play off each other very well because it's completely different movies but kind of the same setting, the same style. Obviously, it's because it's the same director. Um, the soundtrack is also similar, uh, done by uh, what is it, Bruno Nicolai. Um, who does a great job on both, but dude, his score for the red, uh, the red queen kills seven times is fucking amazing. Um, <clears throat> but another, another movie that looks fantastic, uh, of course, again, arrow kills it. Um, and you know, tons of special features, uh, to, uh, you know, a unique, a unique movie, which, which is, uh, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, something something a little different kind of has you know night the night that Evelyn came out of the grave is very horror esque on the side, but once you kind of go into the movie, <clears throat> it's more like a thriller, mm-hmm. which I, I thought was cool because it changes pace and then it kind of gets super creepy again with uh, you know kind of the ghostly imagery then goes back to kind of almost a criminal investigation mm-hmm. um, in a way. And not very criminal investigation because you're dealing with the same people that are, you know, you're just trying to figure out the kind of the secrets that are being kept and, you know, who's really who, which I think is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Definitely a lot of fun watching this. Um this will be re- these movies are going to be re- revisited 
for sure from me. So let's uh, let's jump into the next film here. The Red Queen Kills Seven Times. Again, directed by uh, Emilio P. Miraglia. Dude, you're killing with these names today. <laughs> Trying hard, man. <laughs> uh, starring Barbara Boucher, who I spoke about earlier. Uh, Google her and Captain Kirk, man. <laughs> <laughs> she is super, super cute. Um, I I think that I, I must know her from Star Trek because I saw the name. I'm like, I know the name. But I don't think she's been in other. Uh, uh, she's been in a lot of films. She's like a German. Um, she's not Italian. Um, I think she's Amer. I thought she was American, but she did a lot of work in, in Italian films. She's been in quite a quite well, a. There's bit. a there's a couple. Uh, Sybil Danning is in this too, and she's uh, you know she's she's American. Okay. So and she, um, she's in the Howling and um, right. Uh, I mean, she's been a f- howling too mainly because she has that one news. <laughs> well, I know that people are telling me I need to check out uh, Milano Calibro Nine that Barbara oh, Boucher is so in. so good, dude. So uh, add that to your list, everyone. But this is also starring Marina Malfatti, who she was she was in. She played. Um, I'm having a brain blank. Gladys in uh, Night. Evelyn came out to the out of the grave. So she's in this as well. I noticed her right away. I was like, oh shit, she was just in the other movie. And yeah. um, so this one, like, it op- it basically starts off with, like, these younger kids, and there's they're learning that there's this legend in this castle, in this area that they're growing up in, that every, I don't know, 100 years, um, the Red Queen is basically comes back and as one of the one of the sisters and the, and eventually you know seven people are killed one of them finally being the sister um so 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 that it's introduced that legend and they were introduced to uh these women as they're older uh these two sisters and um you know possibly the red queen is coming you know to uh to murder and and uh, that's a setup. I know it's you know I'm horrible at setting these uh, up. It's, it's confusing. It's confusing because you're when you introduced because at first I didn't realize that there was two. I thought the gir- the two other girls in the beginning were sisters, but then you introduced the two blonde sisters. So maybe you got something a little more out of it. But I I, I was slightly confused at first until I learned well, some other things. <clears throat> the movie starts off with a very eerie soundtrack of, you know, kind of very much like a film called Who Saw Her Die, which um, is orchestrated. That that soundtrack's by uh, Ennio Marcone, um, who has a bunch of like a children's choir doing la 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 la. Oh, yeah. And it's like super like intense. Um, and then this one kind of starts off with this like kind of eerie piano, um, you know, little girl kind of humming and you know she's brushing her doll's hair 
which is red, um, you know, a, a, a red dress doll. Mm-hmm. And then you have, and she's blonde and she thinks she's got like a red bow in her hair and a red bow. Like, so the, like, as far as uh, visual imagery goes, how, you know, the scenes are set up, you have, um, you know, your stories told with colors. This is the reason why, you know, obviously the red queen kills seven times the red and black queen. Um, you kind of see the, the color themes throughout the film are very prominent because the story is also telling another story by the colors. So pay attention to that. Cause that's a lot of fun. Um, so anyways, this brunette little girl comes up, you know, black hair kind of, uh, it's like, let me play with your doll. Steal, <laughs> steals the doll, runs back in the house, gets a knife and just starts stabbing the face of the doll. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's in front of that picture. And it's really funny cause the, you know, the, the dad's like, oh, that picture's cursed. Oh, you need to take that picture down, actually. Get this is really, this really fucked up. <laughs> but we've had it for so long, and he tells a story about how two sisters you know, were friends, and then they turn out to be enemies. One is the Red Queen, one's the Black Queen. Uh, the Red Queen uh, stabs uh, the Black Queen in the neck, blah, blah, blah. Yes, yeah, so you, you're, you're better um, at this stuff your, than I am. Your story unfolds from there. Uh, <laughs> advanced years later, you find out that her sister died. Um, when, uh, she was younger, uh, she's moved away. She gets a call, um, a frantic call kind of moves back, uh, to find out because, uh, the story goes is that, uh, before the, the seventh the kills seven times, the seventh victim is actually the black queen. Um, and before that, uh, the six victims are complete strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, so these murders start happening randomly. Um, and the father has an episode, uh, something goes on with him and that kind of sparks the, this other sister to move back to, uh, where, you know, her father's estate cause he's ill, he's fallen ill Hint, uh, some ill, um, <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, and their, uh, murders start happening around the town um, and kind of this gothic imagery is told, and um, very quickly uh, she learns that uh, her sister, who's supposedly dead, has uh, risen from the grave or something and is going around killing these people. And she's scrambling to actually find out there is a dark, sinister story that underlies everything. Um, and this is more or less Jalo. It has some of the best horror imagery this is the first time for me this is the very first time i saw it and i was i was just blown away by the soundtrack the gothic imagery that is set through the film um and one thing i i tweeted out that i wanted to mention on the show is that i was watching it i'm just getting vibes from the shining the whole entire time Mm. and i was like thinking that did stanley kubrick watch this movie like and was inspired by it in any way because dude when they first go into the house when the little girl steals the doll and they go into their dad's house, dude. That setup is exactly the setup in the fucking Overlook Hotel when Jack Nicholson has his typewriter. Huh. Okay. It has that big fucking desk, right? Like the, all those windows along the side, the fireplace over there, and it has that single chair that's in the corner that serves no pragmatic purpose whatsoever in The Shining that disappears and then comes back and disappears <laughs> and comes back. Well, it has that chair that's just sitting on the wall, and he's, like, writing. And I'm like, man, like, I totally, like, thought of The Shining right away. Um, Kind of the long, eerie shots that are shown, like, you know, because Stanley Kubrick likes to do those long hallway shots that kind of, like, suck you in. Like, it's it's a never-ending hallway, and you get a lot of those faraway shots 
um, and kind of, you know, very colorful, uh, you know, red, black, brown, all those colors are really come out and pour out on the screen. Um, and it, the, the story's told through that. It's just, it, it's just told in such a way that, you know, it, it gets really sinister and kind of edge of your seat, even being older and being desensitized to these films. <clears throat> Well, there's that, that scene of the the Red Queen running towards the camera with her kind of oh, dude, it's beautiful uh, hood and cape kind of yeah, flowing and with her it, holding the knife, man. But it gets into scene. that it gets into that nightmare sequence too yeah. with with how that's told. But everything about the film from the beginning to the end, it has this imagery that um, you just can't kind of let go, and it gets very um, scary, like the maniacal laugh that the Red Queen <laughs> does. Uh, when she's around is fucking scary. And it's almost like, you know, it, it really gets you going in the movie because you keep hearing it and hearing it. And it kind of makes you jump a little bit because you're like, oh, shit, that's really creepy. Um, but just kind of has this overall just like killer atmosphere. Um, it's just a, a really well told, uh, presented, directed, like everything about it is is near perfect as far as kind of like Italian horror goes. As good as Italian horror could be. This is exactly what it is. Um, so I was very impressed uh, by a lot of things in the movie because when we get into Italian horror, a lot of the stuff has been done over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, you're expecting the black glove killer. You don't have that. You very much have kind of a gothic uh, tale. But also this another like, you know, detective Italian style um uh, Euro crime mm-hmm. uh, story kind of going on at the same time with this detective trying to decipher exactly what's going on because obviously the detective is you know you can't find a connection to these murders because they're random um, you know you have people believe that the Red Queen is uh, you know the sister but they can't obviously prove anything um, you know that she's back from the dead apparently but that's impossible so you, you kind of have all these different things going on um, and you always have something going on that's another thing I like about it you have the detective storyline you have the sister storyline you know you have uh, kind of this dark uh, history past that you're unsure of exactly what ha- happened that kind of keeps you guessing you know what actually happened in this house um, what happened to these kids? And, you know, I, I find all of that um, pretty fascinating. Um, and like I said, it's just a great all-around movie, great soundtrack, and great imagery. Yeah. So. Agreed. But I, I, I really, I thoroughly enjoy this one. And, um, you know, killer, uh, just a killer package again. It looks great. It sounds great. Um one of the better soundtracks of uh, horror and giallo, for sure. It it, it very much does. Um, it kind of has this same theme, but it's always mixed up. Like you have your main theme, but when it's played again, it's like in a children's like, you know, a children's choir is doing it. Um, you know, then you have a piano and then you kind of have like this weird, like synthesizer keyboard sound, and then you have its strings and then you kind of have like, uh, you know, in a, in a way it's almost like drums. Like it keeps repeating. It's the same thing. It kind of like sucks you in depending on the, you know, the mood of the, you know, the setting or what they're doing in the film. Uh, you know, the mu- music is the same theme song. 
but it's played in you know with different instruments and mm-hmm. i found that fascinating uh very much kind of what um it was more comical but planet terror kind of did this rubber is planet terror <laughs> it had that really that same theme over and over and over just in different ways um it, completely different caliber of movies but that's what it kind of reminded me of uh going that route oh i didn't even realize who sybil danning was she was the one who uh totally uh seduces that guy yeah i mean she's always been kind of the you know the she looked familiar <laughs> the kind of the sex uh sex object of yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of a lot of movies so i mean so you know it's a hard scene to uh, forget so but yeah yeah okay gosh you said Sybil Danning was it. And I was like, oh, shit, Sybil Danning. I'm trying to think. And uh, then I Googled, and hello. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Google, she, Google Image. If you ever watch The Howling 2 during the credits when right. they do the ripping off her shirt a million times, that's <laughs> that's what you have. Oh, man. But, um, yeah, this is a great double feature. Um, and definitely watch them in that order. And fun little thing is is like the weird connections um mm-hmm. to the film is that you have kind of the same like similar sounds you have the same kind of imagery um but both girls are named evelyn yeah both girls are named, named evelyn but they, spelled differently yeah they both have a scene with a, a will you know it's yeah funny there's 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 these, this connective tissue with these with these films, and it, the the director didn't do a whole lot. It seems like um, I mean, I've only found six directing credits, three of them underneath a different name. So. Well, mostly that's because what um, what they release uh, in you know America, they put that English name on there because yeah. it's easier to sell when you have you know you know fucking. John Smith as yeah. your director versus you know Anthony Magali or something like that. He did a, like people, he did a, a western as Joe De, or as Hal Brady. The western was called Joe Dakota. He had Joe three Dakota. films as Hal Brady. And then Hal he, Brady, that name sounds super familiar. And he did Joe Dakota, The Falling Man, and Assassination. But it, it didn't. It doesn't look like he directed anything after 1972. Mm. I don't see on here uh, a date of of death uh, that normally IMDb would have, but maybe, maybe this IMDb is just, is, is not, you know, not the end all. I, I don't know what happened, but he, <laughs> you know, it, something, something's missing here from his career. Like as far as what he did, because um, it's not like he's a bad director or these films definitely. No, I mean, you know, he's definitely um, has a really cool kind of, um, you know, imagery going on. He did these back to back. So it kind yeah. of explains exactly why they look so similar. It's probably cheaper yeah. for him to do, um, you know, the films, uh, back to back, but I would love to see, um, his Western though. With, Joe Dakota. Yeah. I wonder who did the soundtrack on that. I was curious. I'm going to look it up. Wow. Music. It's like a Russian dude. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, I mean, Anyways. I can't really find too much about about the director. Uh, he, he, it's like he did these films, and he kind of just he must have retired or something. I'm I'm sure if you if if we uh, take the time and go dive into all these special features, I'm sure um, we'd learn more about him. Should we just yeah. we, well, let, let's just shoot Stephen Thrower a line? He'll probably know. <laughs> 
He he does have an interview uh, on here as well, which I didn't have time to listen to it. I really wanted to uh, check that out. Uh, interview with Sybil Danning and interview with uh, Barbara Boucher and uh, just a ton of stuff. I and mean, these are stacked. I mean, it's fun when you find a film like this and you you, you get done watching the movie and you like, ooh, I want to kind of dive in more, which always happens on movies I really like. And these discs are, are stacked. I didn't have time to dive into it all. But I will over the next few weeks for sure dive yeah. into all this. So definitely, you know, they're, they're really killing it with these sets and they're pairing these movies up, yeah. Um, you know, very, very well. I mean, even though these movies kind of go hand in hand with one another, it's a really, you know, two unique different movies, uh, you know, Giallo uh, told in, 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 a, in a different way other than, you know, your normal black glove killer. Like, yeah. you know, by imagery, by music, um, they all follow suit of, you know, what what those are it's very similar to like their black cat release the black cats you know two similar subjects approached yeah but in that case two different directors um we do need to get eventually i'm hoping um hoping next week get to the death walks twice set because i'm just i am gunning to watch more italian cinema for sure so it looks pretty on blu-ray that's for sure oh man very cool God, Arrow, you're you're gonna you're wrecking my wallet. Yeah, and it's like these little titles, you know, that aren't the most popular, that are sometimes the best. It's just fun you discovering, know? you know, having a sense yeah. of discovery with these. I said that when we were talking about the American Horror Project. I mean, just you know, because there's all these classic movies, and the, yeah, the fanfare they finally get released, but we've you know. It, for some of these, we've seen them a whole bunch of times, and it's great to own them on Blu-ray. But with a, a company like Arrow, kind of, you know, picking these titles like this, I mean, it's fun yeah. because they haven't been viewed to death. You know, there's still a lot to discover about them. Uh, I mean, Arrow's going to be releasing what is it, Microwave Massacre, or what is that movie? Yeah, Microwave Massacre. It's, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a pile of shit, but I mean, I can't wait to discover that thing. I can't wait to watch it. And it's it's like <laughs> uh, just the fact that they are giving everything they release this attention. They're not just releasing, you know, an HD master and a bare bones with a few extras like, yeah, you like know, Screen they, Factory they, does. Like you know they, they get care. everything, yeah. like everything gets a treatment, you know, um, I mean, movies that are movies like The Battle Without Honor and Humanity, like that are great, you know, well-regarded films, and um, these those Yakuza films to a movie like Microwave Massacre getting the same treatment is yeah, pretty damn they're, incredible. They're, they're all over the place. That's, That's what crazy. I like about them. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, we can't recommend this set enough. I was kind of, you know, I I, I wasn't really going to buy this at first, you know, and then. Because I just had no idea what they were, and and I was just like, well, it's you know fifty bucks or whatever. I don't, I don't know, but uh, now after watching them, man, I'm I don't think I'm gonna um, second. I don't I don't think I'm gonna think twice on a uh, a box set like this. I think I'm just for for now. Arrow has the benefit of the doubt with these. So until they prove me wrong and release a pile of shit, you know, uh, and I'm pissed off that I spent fifty bucks on it. You know, I, I'm I'm going to keep on just 
pre-ordering these and uh you know yeah eventually i'll get I'll, I'll get out of debt but you know i don't know not if arrow keeps releasing stuff like this hey you're having fun doing it no it's great it, the the, the discovery's really really fun and and when i get done watching the film i'm like it's not like oh it's a one-timer like i will definitely you know revisit those i mean i always have time for beautiful italian women on my on my tv do you i do i like it yep well i mean not all of them are italian i mean like civil shepherd but i mean civil shepherd civil shepherd whoops <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> I don't know if she's ever been Sybil in Danning. a horror film. Not Sybil Shepherd. Sybil Danning. Yeah. Far more Sybil Danning is far more attractive than Sybil Shepherd. Uh, now we're just getting sexist. <laughs> yeah, we better quit while we're ahead. But um all right, cool. Do you have anything else to say about these? No, man, other than uh, definitely just, watch them. Thank you for listening to uh, an hour of us basically kissing Arrow's ass. Yeah. But uh this case, they deserve it. I mean, did we talk about how, how great these these movies look? Yeah, I know. I was, they look I was amazing. With the, just the imagery um, and the colors, like everything like stands out 100%. Yeah. Especially the, the Red Queen. Like, it just looks great. Like, it yeah. looks good. We need we need to send a few of these uh, take some screen caps and send them to the, uh, the 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 dude who does the one perfect shot for sure. Oh yeah, with her running down the hallway, it looks oh yeah, fucking that's great. that's like that image is just burned in my brain. It's creepy um, as shit. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a classic image on a movie I've never seen. It's just that image is like boom. That's whenever I see that, I'll be like you know, um, you know that's Red Queen kill seven times. It burned into my brain, so yeah. not not a lot of movies can do that. And when they do, it's it it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's very like like I mean, obviously this is 1971, 1972. Yeah, but that's like full on like hardcore like Italian cinema, like the Fifth Chord and Lucio Fulci movies. They really know how to do that nightmare, that long shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the reason why another Kubrick thing, you know, where it's like can kind of do that long shot of that just fear running towards you. Like yeah. You can't escape, escape from it. That's great. Awesome. All right. Um, we, we need to figure out some drawing stuff. We, we're going to be doing the vinegar syndrome, uh, episode very soon. Uh, I have to, we, we need to dive into these. But uh, we got a couple Peep Show DVDs, and then we're going to be talking soon uh, The Human Tornado and Psychic Killer. So when we do that show, I will think up of some sort of uh, contest so you can win Sean's big box of porn. So we're going to do – I want to do that drawing on that show. So probably a couple weeks out. I think this week we'll think of something um, on, on social media. So pay attention there over at Scream underscore cast, uh, or on our Facebook, but I think Scream, uh, I think Twitter's the most immediate. So keep an eye out there on, on either Facebook or, or Twitter about uh, the, the contest to win Sean's big box of porn. Uh, so we'll have two weeks of that going until we do the Vinegar Syndrome episode. And um, as far as 
everything else goes. I think uh, BJ hopefully will return next week. She's been she's been busy, busy girl. Yeah, got a lot of shows. And um, stuff. Yeah, so she, nothing's happened. You know what I mean? We're not silently getting rid of anybody. Uh, she's just been fucking busy, and she wants you know she was going to try to join us tonight, and it didn't work out because of the the show stuff she's doing. So, uh, so it's all good. Um, we will take her back when she's available. But, uh, I'm trying to think when, when it starts getting late, my brain gets foggy. Um, so ne- next week, I think we'll be doing that next arrow box set. Yeah. Yeah. We should, should say that's fair. Yeah. I really want to dig into it. Um, we'll probably do our, our segments next week as well. We'll figure out, we're going to watch those and, um, you will find out then. Otherwise, thank you to all of our sponsors, to oneofus.net for hosting the show, for Coffee Shop of Horrors for keeping me caffeinated, um, Grindhouse Video for sending me movies, and uh, Wolfman of Mars for providing the music, and Kevin Spencer for doing our design shit. Also, Vinegar Syndrome, thank them as a sponsor, and Horror Pack. They're doing a limited edition, right? We, we mentioned yeah, that last time. Yeah. Has it uh, has it passed for that? Can people still get in on that? Uh, um, I think they've already closed. They've closed. Okay. So um, that that's great. Um, it, are 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 you going to be getting that? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. So I'm curious. Uh, I'm kind of like testing the waters, like on on what they do for these limited edition packs. So, um. Anyway, check out all our sponsors, and of course, we're going to be doing, hopefully do a, a just a drawing for those of you who've bought stuff and sent in your your uh, receipts or whatever. If you buy something from any of our sponsors, go to uh, screamcast.com slash sponsors, and if you support any of them, drop us an email, readme at thescreamcast.com. Let us know you uh, hook them up and purchase some stuff from them. We'll enter you into the next drawing. It's going to be for, hopefully, Coffee Shop of Horrors coffee and a mug. If I don't get the coffee um, for giveaway, uh, we'll uh, we'll throw away a pack. We'll throw together a pack of, uh, of a mug and some stickers and shit and some buttons, and we'll do that drawing next week. So, if you do any uh, purchase anything from any of our sponsors, definitely let us know about it. We'll put you into a drawing. Um, let's see here. There's other things I want to talk about. Oh yeah, uh, if you want to, we've had people asking how they can donate and help us out uh, to the show. Go to thescreamcast.com slash donate. Brad and I and BJ aren't taking a penny. What we want to do with all of the money uh, that we would raise, we want to be able to pay our writers. Um, I know that Josh Obershaw does a hell of a lot for us on the show um, and, uh, for the news segment, and then he's he's running the website. I mean, he's posting most of the news stuff on there, and People like him, we want to be able to sling some money their way for all their hard work. We got some contributors to the site that write, write and post, you know, post things every now and then. We want to be able to pay, pay them for what they contribute. So that's what all the donations will go to if you choose. Um, it's easy to do through PayPal to do a subscription or a one-time thing. I've, people have asked me about Patreon. Um, I'm looking into it. It just seems overly complicated for something that can do easily through the, these PayPal links, but I'll, I will look into it. If you prefer to do Patreon, uh, I'll probably be getting that set up as well. Let's have a, a few more hoops to jump through for that. So for those of you who have asked about Patreon, um, so go to the screamcast.com for all that information. 
Um, thank you guys so much for listening. For the people who who have donated already, um, that it just means a lot. You know, even if it's just a couple bucks here and there, it means a lot that you guys want to help support what we do. So, Brad, did I leave anything out? No. Awesome. We will talk to all of you guys next week. Again, thank you for listening and being a part of the show. Bye-bye. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> Was that your bye? Bye. <laughs> oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. I don't have to get up as early. What are you, are you eating? Mm. Wow. Protein bar. A time note. Making a note on time so I know how to edit this motherfucker. Are you editing? Was that you editing? Oh, I, just, I just made the edit right now. We're done. Wow. <laughs>